Hello, this is Jerome Pena, and uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> say we play that where it lays okay it's, it was, it was it, a little it in the grass in the scrub but that's okay it sounded sudden to my ears but sudden? I don't know how it sounds on yours so. yeah it was just it, like it was sharp distance <laughs> <laughs> we're silly already uh, it, man I, I I'm not gonna get it more obviously I am but it, it's it's um Zoom is irking me because I mean I and and I was I I, I mentioned this with um, Cliff yesterday where when when it comes to the money that that the college spends stupidly it's like we have I don't understand why we have a Zoom license when we're a Microsoft shop and a Microsoft Office shop and we're using Teams it, it's like why right yeah it does so many people want, and I just I don't tens of thousands of dollars spent on something that we already can use for free. That's problematic with with uh, you know um, organizations like yours. They just throw money at something because, right? Just because. And then and then when there's things that we should actually have money for toilets, we don't have. Yeah. We're 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 crying poverty. Uh, we aren't crying anything but hello, no. nurse. This is eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred thirty three. I uh, misled you last time. I said yes. I said last episode was seven thirty three. Uh, it was not because this is it seven thirty three. And I love you, and I'm Vince B. Oh, I love you too, and I'm mm-hmm. David A. Price. Wow. Uh, I love you both, and uh, I love all of you people who are paying for my streaming service because I'm Chip Gaines. Oh wow! No, yeah. you're not Chip Gaines. You're short Gaines. You're Jason. Wo- Jason Wood and many things, but short is not one of them. No, no, but short Gaines, like in. The stock market, right? That's what I was going for. Mm. Not short as in stature, short as in a little bit of short-term time. Short-term gains. Yeah, yeah short-term gains. Um, but you're not. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And uh, long-term, I have a way for you to get massive discounts on your favorite comics and collectibles. I don't know if I should tell you what the, the Oh, no. You, these are good people. Let them know. All right. Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, has the books you want at the price you want to pay. Get this. The list of specials are up. I haven't been this excited in a long time. And I am somewhat happy to report that uh, the trio of specials contains zero books from the big two. I went full on indie this month. Speak on it. Regardless of what Robert Downey Jr. says, I went full on indie. And uh, music to my ears. Number one, top of the of the little stack from Vault Comics. This is a little book called Barbaric. Number one, it is written by Michael Morici. Now, see, I don't know if that's the way to pronounce his name. It's M O R E C I, which I guess most people would say Morrissey, but that makes me think of a very unpleasant man. So I'm going to go with Morici. How about that? Michael Morici. And the artist is Nathan Gooden. Here's the pitch. Owen the Barbarian has been cursed to do good with what remains of his life. His bloodthirsty weapon... Now, this is an anthropomorphic axe. 
the axe's name is axe <laughs> has become okay. yeah axe has become his moral compass with a drinking problem so not only is it an anthropomorphic axe it's an anthropomorphic alcoholic axe together they wander the realm foredoomed to help any who seek assistance but here's one thing owen hates more than life with rules he hates the witches hates the witches welcome to the skull cracking blood spattering mayhem loving comic brave enough to ask how can a man sworn to do good do so much violence how well it's just barbaric this thing has got my complete friggin attention not only does it tick off the box i wanted more fantasy in my my, my dcbs box the first issue has a, a couple of flavors of cover one of them is a pastiche on the cover of Conan the Barbarian number one. Now, I'm powerless to, to resist this book. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. This will be in my box. I will be talking about it. Scout or Vault Comics. Uh, buried the lead. Uh, Vault Comics, $3.99. Your price? $1.99. Come on. The gorgeous, chewy, amazingly detailed, dense as Jeff Darrow. Meet in the Middle is a book from Scout called Chaos Agent. It's a four-issue miniseries. It was written by Denise Camp. The art is by Filia Bratukin. I hope I pronounced that right because I want to do this person justice because this art is some of the most gloriously complex amazingly rendered but as i said in my previews video it ain't got nothing if there's no soul and there's By the so way, shout out to uh cam at inky knuckles he's he reps him oh really did i say it mm -hmm. right bratukin i think so i don't i've never heard the name pronounced but yeah but um it, it, i mean if you watch my previews video i did a little bit of a google search um on uh mr i'm guessing bratukin's art and the uh stuff that came up makes Where's Waldo look like um, a child's picture book, which it kind of mm. was, but a simplistic child's picture book, okay? Um, here's the pitch for this. Horny robots, super evolved orangutan bosses, joyriders from the 26th century. What? Nothing phases Philip Blank, top agent for the sci-fi spy organization known as, and this is an acronym, WORLD, W-O-R-L-D-E. But lately, Philip's been wondering if there isn't more to life than saving the world through creative violence. What is Philip hiding from world, and how far will he go to keep it hidden? The most beautifully bizarre book of the year is here. Haven't read it, but I'm going to tend to agree with that. Because from what I've seen, ah, yowza. Again, published by Scout, $4.99 cover price. You are going to get 45% off that cover price and pay $2.74. Mm -hmm. Lost the narrative there for a second. Uh, bringing up the rear, it, it made me laugh out loud that the people uh, who gave us the glorious miniseries we all talked about back in the day uh, called Plastic, have served, yes. have served up another image uh, miniseries. I could not believe it. It's called Vinyl. Like, how do you follow up a miniseries called Plastic? Oh. You call it Vinyl. Uh, this is a, number one of a six-issue miniseries. It's written by Doug Wagner, or Wagner. Uh, art by Daniel Hilliard. 
And we got Dave Stewart on colors. Uh, plastic creators Doug Wagner and Daniel Hilliard return with Eisner Award winner Dave Stewart for an unsettling tale of psychopaths, sweet love, and a serial killer named Walter. Or Walter. When Walter's best friend, uh, the FBI agent charged with his capture, is kidnapped by a death cult of all-female sunflower farmers. Do you see where this trio's going, folks? Walter finds himself deep within an underground labyrinth filled with secrets and monsters. But are there monsters more horrific than his? Bum, bum, bum. It's three ninety nine. You're laughing at that even before I even said it. Uh, you're going to pay $1.99. That's half off. Like I said, do these books not create excitement within your brains? Yes. I, I can't wait for all these. Yeah. And excite, for sure, especially the vinyl. Yeah. The- yes. Uh, DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your book shipped right to your home by a person with which you, you, which you are intimately familiar, and they'll call you by your real name. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And you know what they say about uh, about witches, Vince? Uh, they say a lot of things about witches. Well, they say witches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Hmm. <laughs> Blessed be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I if I see one more uh, spin on the the deadly Wiccans, the nefarious evil Wiccans, I'm gonna kill somebody. I've seen a couple of of, of episodes of uh, whatever those uh, crime procedurals that my wife watches, and in a couple of them, there were like Wiccans who were doing bad things. I'm like, really? Wiccans are puppy dogs. They love the earth and everything on it. They're not gonna, you know, strangle. Anyone. The only thing Wiccans are guilty of is not shaving their armpits. That's all right. That's okay. If that's your, your major transgression, then let them go. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's the only thing they're guilty all of. All right. Man. I love the Wiccans. Love them. Skyclad Wiccans even more. But anyway, so there you go. That was the, 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 the DCBS. I'm, I'm jonesing. I need these books. need them. Going to have to wait a few months. I know, but that's okay. Uh, there are more single issues on my order form this month than there have been in the last. Um, the the only month that rivaled this was, I think, the first month or of, um, well, both months, I guess, of uh, Future State. I, 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 I ordered a lot of singles for Future State. I didn't. And, I, go ahead. No, this is also the free comic book day yes. uh, month. Yep. So if you are a DCBS customer and you upload your order you will or you should be you might want to i've heard a few people have had issues with it but but you should be prompted based on your prior 12 months volume there's a formula they use and you'll be entitled to some number of free comic book day selections and it uh, it should prompt you to pick them right then and there if it doesn't and you are not a new customer you might want to ping customer service because i think just about everybody should be entitled to some number of them yeah and uh, yeah, it's always fun. I especially I've, I I rarely, if ever, make make my find my way out into a free comic book day. Um, so it's uh, it's always nice for me to get a sampling of the books because I otherwise wouldn't. When the boys were younger, you used to hit all of them stores. Yeah, yeah, but they unfortunately lost uh, whatever interest they had in comics. They don't. They all have zero interest in comics, so I just kind of stopped being. I kind of felt like I was dragging them. Like dragging them to it, they weren't really, you know. Like yeah. I'd be like, "All right, pick anything out you want," and literally it was like 
no, we're good. You just mm. get what you want, we're good. So I'm like, it, oh, okay. It's kind of sad that our show has endured past the point of your children losing interest in comics. Okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Dude, tell me about it's it. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, well, the show the show started when the youngest was barely here, and yeah. I mean, he'll be in college soon. But it's uh, no, I, it started I, before Holden was born. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because you were in the process of moving. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. No, I just, I surprisingly, this is the probably the earliest, or yeah, as close to the earliest as I've ever put my order in. Um, and and looking at it, and there are, and there's a couple number ones like the new Black Hammer Reborn, but um, yeah, there's 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 a bunch of. Uh, there's a bunch of collections because there's the third mystery. There's uh, oh the the six sidekicks. Uh, I figured I'll, I'll oh I'll, getting that yeah. Get oh those, my god, I'm so excited. Yeah, you are too. Shout out, cannot yeah. wait. I'm getting uh, that in singles. I can't wait for that collected edition. Exactly, same, sure. absolutely. Yeah, I always double dip on on the on the Schweitzer. Yep, Sex Castle. Come on, really? Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So yeah, uh, uh, what do you get? Like sixteen, eighteen free comic book day books now. Uh, I haven't put in the order for this month, so I don't know. But last year, I believe I got fifteen. <laughs> I don't know if that's the max or if they're. I don't know what the. That's funny, but you know what? What's There's is I have asked, and now I haven't asked recently. But a few years ago, I was curious. I asked Christina, like if if I was a notable customer, you know, and she said I definitely am a large customer, but that there are <laughs> quite. A, that yeah much more than me but you know what to be completely honest um i surveyed the landscape of free comic book days books you be hard pressed to find 15 that you want to actually read last year um and might have been i'm thinking was last year we didn't have it last year it was the year before right because last yeah. year was covid but right. but so but i i i remember struggling the last last time i i i pretty much just picked i almost felt like i picked the things i wanted and then I literally felt like I had to pick another seven things, but right, yeah. So there, you and go. you said no DC uh, book this year, right? No, not, no DC. I mean, well, at least diamond, so. right, yeah, not through not through Diamond at, for for free comic book day, but right. I think there will be. I don't know if it's comics for there. There will be DC will be offering free books. You're just not going. The, the shops aren't just. They're not going to get them through through Diamond. Providing Diamond's still around in August. Oh, but hey, Diamond said, "Yo, you know what? If you want to, if you want to send some free comic book day books for, we'd be glad to, you know, take your account." Yeah, okay, nice try. Uh-huh. Yeah, ain't, ain't happening. But um, Jason, check your Wi-Fi uh, signal there, just for a, a second, just for shits and giggles. And in the meantime, I'll tell you what I'm drinking. That that's still that you haven't spilled on yourself. Oh no! I yeah, uh, behind the curtain, I spilled. I opened up the the sparkling water, and it it leaked all over me. This is a sparkling water, uh, blueberry, and um, now Jason's gonna get me because I may not say this right. Acai, acai, acai. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that those four letters translate. To <laughs> it's acai, got the little, but... it's got the little thing at the end of the C, under the C. Uh, the little under there, the golem. Right. I call it yeah. the golem. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it, you've seen the movie, right? When he's gagging on his own little name, right? No, never saw the movie. What are you talking about? Yeah, there you go. Wifey was apoplectic because she bought seltzer, not realizing it was 
the newfangled seltzer with caffeine in it. <gasps> what? Oh, yeah. Such a thing That's exists? Thing. That yes, is the new thing. Yeah. Oh, I want it. Give me. Yeah, it's it's funny, though, because it's like, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm actually all for it, too, because I don't mind caffeine, but uh, but it's like seltzer is just supposed to be pure. And now, like, it's pretty much a soda now. It's like, like it's bubbly right. water with flavoring and caffeine. Like, it's just soda, but... <laughs> soda without, like, the high fructose corn syrup. Or yeah, pretty much. Well, um, I, I, I would argue that the caffeine makes it more pure for me, so... No, I'm with you. I'm I'm yeah. I'm pro caffeine. Um, I'm actually drinking tonight. Wow! Oh shit! Yeah, yeah first the first first sip of alcohol in 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 nearly a month. But uh, but um, yeah, I'm having a glass of uh, Amarone, uh, which is a wine that a varietal we don't often talk about. And admittedly, I don't often have bottles of it in my home, but. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, again, wifey, she was out uh, doing a little little shopping, and she went to the to the nice wine store, you know, like the the one you got to kind of make a trip to. And she was looking around, and then they were having uh, they had like one of those folks, you know, that were doing a little demo, you know, a little education type of thing. Oh, nice! And they were educating some folks on different regions of Italy. And this person, and I can't speak on their bona fides. I don't know if they were. You know, I don't know how expert they were, but they were there. Was saying that their favorite uh, Italian uh, region was Valpicella, and that Amarone is their favorite type of, of of wine. So, long story short, or long story long, as this is turning into, uh, she came home with a couple different bottles of Amarone, and she opened this one and loved it so much. She said, "I know you haven't been drinking anything, but maybe you want to have a glass of this for your show because it's exceptional." And I <laughs> thought, "All right, you know what." It's a. I hit a big milestone this week. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna have a sip. So it's delicious. So I'm drinking. It's a Tomasi, not Peter Tomasi. There's two M's in this Tomasi, but like Peter Tomasi with two M's. Uh, <laughs> this is from the Tomasi Vineyard Amarone della Valpolcella Classico, 2016, and it is absolutely off the charts fantastic. It's fantastic. I could drink this like all the time. It's it's one of the better wines I've had in a long, long time. Nice. So. Yeah, I highly recommend it. A uh, little, little pricey, 45 bucks, but but delicious. Right. You know, I'd be hard-pressed to say no to anything your wife offered me. If she gives you a little blink, blink, blink. Yes. Here, yeah. here, I, I got a hot dog bun loaded with shit. Would you eat this for me? Uh, yes, I would. Yes, I would. It's so cute. I think someone accused <laughs> me last week of veering into you, you territory when it came to Frank's wife. Uh, see, but, and you know what? They, whoever, I think, who wrote that? Somebody, I, I, I read that. Somebody wrote that. But you know what? I think, I'm not speaking for Dap, but I think probably all three of us would veer into my territory with your wife or Frank's wife. Because Frank's wife's really cute. She's very cute, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes she Just is. saying. Uh, let's drive out of the uncomfortable parking spot <laughs> and, and get onto the highway. It, once well, once Dap tells us what he's drinking. Dap was all like, we're not doing the trick roll call anymore because you guys won't trick anymore. And I think we threw him for a loop because he asked us to let him know ahead of time if, if we were going to break our rule. Uh, and, and I didn't, so I apologize for that. That's okay. I, uh, I, um, I, I, had, uh, I finished off the bottle of Dalian's Pinot Noir with dinner. Uh, had a homemade pizza, so now I am just enjoying this big-ass bottle of uh, ice-cold Peekskill tap water. See that, Jason? You're you're the the top man now. Why do you figure? Because you're drinking real stuff. 
and he, Dap has water now, and I have water now. So you're the you're shocking, the, right? It's upside down. Yep. Amazing. It's all good though. It is. It's fun. I read some good comics this week. Oh, lots of good comics. Yep. I had a banner week. I, I almost everything I read, I thoroughly enjoyed. It, it ran the gamut from. From basically porn comics to kids comics, so the uh, and and looking and not, at kid comics, it was like the gamut. I don't want people to mistake what I just said. It's they got you. you know, the uh, the looking at your list, Jason. The things that I've read uh, mm-hmm. that are on your list, uh, I would agree. Excellent. Such as I didn't look at your list. Admittedly. No, 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 no. We have we have virtually nothing except for one thing. I'm just talking, I've read some of the things you have on your list in the past. I got you. Have, gotcha. Haven't talked on them. I mean, we can't talk about Abbott 1973 number one if you want. I have the trade of the first series still on 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 the pile to read. Oh, but so, I, you didn't, so you didn't read the first trade of Abbott? I started it, and then I saw the first issue of this was coming out, so I figured I'll just go back to it, knowing it's a sequel. But yeah, yeah the, why did you not continue it? Normally, you start something if you don't. You don't. If you don't continue, it means something. Something rubbed you wrong with it. No, 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 no. Nothing. Nothing rubbed. It was just one of those things where I. I just. I. I don't know if it was a book of the, something was going on where I had to divert my focus onto something else. And it's just. It's as more things have. It's like my fucking emails. As more things start to come on, what I was looking at just gets buried further and further down. I got to get back to it. I just haven't yet. It's not a reflection of of the work that. Uh, Saladin and, and company are doing on that. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I don't remember. I know. I mean, I read the first series. I remember talking about it. I don't think I spoke about it like upon its completion, though. I think I might have talked about the first or maybe the first and second issue back then. And then uh, I don't think I ever got back around to, to talking about it as it's as it finished. And I did very much enjoy it. Um, as you said, this is a sequel to the. It was the first series, just called Abbott A B B O T T. It's uh, this is 19, Abbott 1973 um, by Boom, uh, written by Saladin Ahmed, uh, artist Sammy Cavella, and uh, art uh, another uh, callers uh, by someone I wasn't familiar with, uh, Mataya, or Ma- I guess it's Mataya because it would be Mataya, so I'm going to say Mataya Iacono, Iacono Vince, you're the Italian, M A T T I A would be Mataya, I assume, and then I A C O N L would be. Yakano? Uh, yeah, I would say that, but yeah, my track record with pronunciation is not uh, all that great. Yeah, right? uh... yeah, and, and Abbott, the first series was uh, all, way back in early 2018, so it's been a minute. Yeah, um, well, he's been busy. He's been writing miles. He's been writing. You know, he's been working. Oh Marvel, yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would have wouldn't have been surprised if he never went back to 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 it, right? Because kind of he's kind of moved on up the the chain, as they say, but. Uh, yeah, so this takes place like it's it's a the premise is is she it's a it's a um, the protagonist is a I'd say probably in her late twenties early thirties black woman um, set in the early seventies probably guessed that by the name of the book um, she's a investigative journalist and she's got um, I don't know, like I don't want to say she's got magic powers but she's got sort of a connection to the occult. She's 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 a an, an adept I guess or a she's got sensitivity to it uh, and the first series is pretty cool it it, it definitely balanced uh, like a mystery with uh, some some you know some racial issues and then and then like I said there was this occult aspect to it 
Um, and I think he did a nice job of uh, Ackman did a nice job balancing it. And this picks up really from there. It's it's her life has changed. I'm being vague because I'd like people to read. The, I think you need to read the first miniseries to fully appreciate this. But maybe maybe that may disagree because he read this without reading the whole thing. But but uh, but I do think it did it did definitely rely upon the fact that you read the first. It it did assume that you read the uh, the original. And um, so so her life's moved on. She's she's now. Um, she was writing for like the biggest newspaper in Detroit. And now she's by choice moved on to um, the Detroit Chronicle, which at the time was a, was a black owned newspaper, very prominent. Uh, and she moved on there and she's um, he, there's a new boss uh, who's, you know, sort of unimpressed with her, you know, like, cause she's kind of the, the maverick Lois Lane type. She's such a good writer and such a good investigator that she largely can run roughshod over the chain of command. And he's like, I'm not really about that. Like you got to prove yourself to me. Um, and she had a really bad, bad bout of luck in the first series. I mean, uh, you know, lost some people she loved and that sort of thing. And, and the first issue of this really just kind of resets things for her and her life and kind of hints that, uh, she's about to get in some, another big kind of deep doo doo situation. Um, I, I think Sammy Cavella is, is excellent. Um, you know, I, I know I've read other stuff uh, by Cavella, but I, I can't remember where. And I didn't look up beforehand where we've seen Cavella before. But I like very much like the art style. Um, it's relatively realistic, like superhero looking or classic big two looking line work. Um, I, I don't think Cavella is going to blow you away with kind of uh, unusual perspective or whatever. It's 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 I think it's fairly linear and structured and and uh classic in its layout and its grid work but but i like the line work a lot and i think that anytime that you can evoke a period piece i know that's not always easy to try and bring life to a period piece and i think uh i think Cavello did a good job with that so I, I i dug the first issue it felt you know i hadn't read the first i read the first series that was coming out so it's been three years and i definitely to their credit i definitely didn't have to struggle to remember the first series as soon as i started reading this i remembered the first one and thought okay I've, I've, so it, I, I think that's a testament to good storytelling because i've read i'm sure hundreds of stories since then many of which i've already forgotten so uh yeah i thought it was very good I, i'm looking forward to to uh to, to seeing what what unfolds here in in the rest of the miniseries yeah would you no, think i, I mean, um the first series so i'm curious if what you thought of it no i i i liked the line i i got I got far enough into the first trade where I, I, I got a sense of what's going on. And obviously since there's a sequel, whatever danger she's in, she'll get out of it somehow. But, uh, so I wasn't so worried about spoilers to, to, to a degree, but, uh, I, I, I really like the way, and I just, I, I, I think Salton's a, a great writer. I like how, um, real his his characters feel uh elena definitely feels like somebody somebody i'd know somebody who would behave this way she smokes carver doesn't care for her smoking she's a woman and even though every other reporter in the country smokes you know he's trying to emphasize that you know you're 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 different than everybody else and and uh so, so the conversations actually felt like uh, that yes th- these are these are things people would say these are attitudes people would have um there are still the the racial overtones of course it is 1973 uh but you know abbott she's 
she's progressive. She's forward thinking. She's in a relationship. She and her partner own a house, and um, yeah, and it should be no. She's bisexual because in the yeah. in the original series she has a husband, but things things befall him, and now she's with a woman. Uh, but no, I think and 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 you're absolutely right about about the art. I thought uh, it was another book that um, I read for this week where the art is is similar. Um, this is a little bit more fine tuned, and, and I really like it. And and yeah, it does. Yeah, the art would fit. The the artist would do well, obviously with with um, with superhero books. Cavella's I, I like Cavella's line a lot, and it does. It looks you know without without word balloons. If you're just looking at these pages, like you might almost think um, this could have been a period piece at at, at the Daily Bugle, and uh, when everybody's standing around and in the press room and, and waiting for it, it's it's it looks really good but it, it's uh it is very um it is more i mean a cult aside it is more down to earth it, it's it's a more realistic setting where um you know there aren't there, there's nobody swinging through the skies i i think it's a really solid story and and i don't know where Saladin's taking Elena Abbott. After this, I, I I don't know if if he's got a whole series uh, for her. If, if if there's a definite ending, but um, I'm 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 happy with what we've got so far. And and you know I do. And I know the second issue has been out, so I want I, I just I want to get back to to the trade so I can I can be current. I hope you know once the fifth issue of this is done is out um, and we don't wait another few years if there is a another sequel coming, but. Um, no, I, I I liked it a lot. It would it I definitely would um I would recommend this series and, and definitely the um the original Abbott uh set in seventy two, but yeah, to 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 get you up to speed. But this is it's 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 a real good book, I think so. It would have been super lit if they called the sequel Costello. <laughs> or, or who's on first, they should call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to be lit, but yeah. yeah. Sounds interesting. For sure, man. It really does. I mean, I think, like, I don't know, I, I, it, this probably isn't, like, if they were to make this a movie, especially in this setting, or if they tried to make it like a B-movie kind of schlock thing with the occult aspect of it, Vince, you probably, especially if there was some cheesy acting, it would be up your alley. As far as a comic yeah. book, I don't know if it's... Mm, um, well, I don't want to pigeonhole it, but it sounds like um, a female uh, Constantine to me. From what you guys have been saying, like, well, she's not like a magic. She's not like a wizard, you know. No, she, she, but she's she's just got like an ability to sense, like, you know, dead people and go like she. She's like, like I said, she's an adept. She's 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 not really like um, seasoned, and it's almost like she has these abilities, but they're not honed. Right, you know, I she's not you. like. She's not like going out there trying to figure out how to use them. They just she just has this ability to to be sensitive to that stuff. And she's using it to her advantage. I get it. Yeah, it's yeah. A, you know I I wouldn't be um, adverse to reading it. We'll see. I looked at some of the preview pages. They're 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 cute. Yeah. Well well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at Cavella's. Uh, first of all, Cavella is a Finnish artist from Finland ah, but uh, I don't think I've read anything else I, I, I other than the original Abbott because I admittedly he's he's 
he's done like a lot of stuff for Xenoscope and for Black hmm. Mask, and I, I don't read, tend to read those publishers. So I, yeah, no. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, what was the, what was the last thing we read from Black Mask? The Dregs. Uh, we are oh, we not in control. Exit. Yeah, we are not in control. Or no one is in oh, control. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the last thing I read from them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't mind Black Mask. Um, I I would certainly be far more willing to buy a Black Mask book than I would a Xenoscope book. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. I'm just saying I don't like. I'm looking here. I mean, I love four kids walking to a bank. Yeah, so yeah, I, I have that right here. I, I, um, I actually have all of the black stuff, but I, I, I haven't read it, so I, I shame on me on that. But I, I so I can't speak to its quality. Um, Grave Transfers, we were fans of because we Love talked it. about. That. Yep, yep. Yes, that's right. Um, that was, that was God, that was a minute ago. Um, uh, I'm just looking at all the, uh, but yeah, um, but that's like, and that, and then, and then you said the dregs. Other than that, I, I haven't read a lot of their stuff. And I want to shout out to Why Not, because that, that, that Epi Thatcher is still sitting above me as we're recording right now. Yeah, he did a, a Moby Dick for me as well. I, I Yeah, I haven't – I don't know if, if, if it's me not being on the Twitters or him leaving the socials, but I feel like for a while he was he was hitting me up a lot uh, listening to the show and stuff. So I don't know if he's still listening. If he is, uh, shout out to Well, to you know what? Not, let's, let's tip our hand uh, because uh, I'm going to put him in the show notes just so maybe he'd be like, yo. Yo. James Michael sure. Why Not. Yeah. Damn Skippy. All right. Why not? Um, well, you guys went. I'm going to go uh, because I have cor- I have corralled a unicorn in the world of oh. manga. Yep. Yep. Oh. Uh, you know, okay. at least as far as uh, the manga we read goes, um, a done in one volume is, <laughs> needless to say, it's a rarity, right? So, uh, and if you judged. Uh, or if you weighed the merits of this book solely on the uh, emotional resonance derived from it, I would hazard to guess that this would be one of the best things that you've ever read. Wow. Yeah, this book is a um, – it'll rip your heart out and show it to you and laugh at you as you're crying. (laughs) It's it's extremely – emotional it's um but the best part about it is it's connected to what i consider one of the best manga currently being published dr stone this is uh, a dr stone book called reboot biakuya and it was written and drawn by boichi and boichi is the artist for dr stone i recall Uh, you speaking on it dr stone's great right uh, but the writer of Dr. Stone, Richiro Inagaki, has nothing to do with this other than giving Boichi his blessing, right? So you're saying, all right, uh, you're telling me that a manga related to the world of Dr. Stone is a done in one. That's a bit of a misnomer, right? Because I don't know anything about Dr. Stone. The thing is currently on its 15th volume. How do I... How do I wrap my head around this thing that supposedly is a done in one? Well, uh, Boichi tells you everything you need to know. And it's basically one sentence. As in Dr. Stone, uh, something happens to the planet Earth that results in all of the organic beings being turned to stone. All you need to know. 
Yep. That's it. That's all you need to know. Uh, you don't have to have read a single page of Dr. Stone. Um, all you need, another thing you need to know is the titular character of this. Biakuya Ishigami is the father of Dr. Stone's protagonist, Senku. The kid with the jagged hair that loves science. And he has the E equals MC squared thing on his shirt. That's the son of the, t the title character in this book. That's it. That's all you need to know. Um, the, the petrification uh, wave is just a backdrop in this tale. Uh, it's kind of like a, a bit of planetary window dressing. Um, so, like his son, Biakuya is a, a big brain. He's um, he's one of the few people chosen to journey to the International Space Station, right? So Papa uh, will be an astronaut. And this is five years before the, the events of the first volume of Dr. Stone. Uh, so um, he, he, Biakuya shows his, his son something on which he's working. And he's, he's really excited, right? He's, he's like, come on, I want to show you something. So he's got a robot. He's making a robot. And the robot's uh, designated Ray-23. And Senko gets all cookie-eyed because he believes that Dad's unfinished mock-up of what Ray would eventually evolve into, and it's the typical physical aspect of the perfectly proportioned female ideal that we see in, in, in a lot of manga. He's got a, 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 a what-if type uh, mock-up that this is what my robot's eventually going to look like, but here's what it looks like now. And it's uh, uh, something of a cross between BB-8 from um, <laughs> Star Wars and the robots from Disney's Black Hole. It's okay. kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool looking, uh, but it's small and compact, and and it's it you know and, and it has a, a, a really cheerful AI. So uh, five years later, uh, and this is one day prior to the events of the first Doctor Stone uh, volume, Biakuya and five others are aboard the International Space Station. They actually went up. Uh, they are astronauts now. They're on the space station. So in addition to Pops. We have a woman named Lillian Weinberg. She's a civilian. She's a world-famous diva, right? She actually bought her seat <laughs> on the, the ISS. And then uh, you have an engineer, uh, a young lady named Connie Lee. She's skilled in machinery, as most engineers are, right? Um, mechanical engineers. Uh, a couple named Yakov and Darya Nikitin. They're Russians, obviously. And they're researchers, and they're married, and she's extremely attractive, and he's a bit of a dwarf. But anyway, um, and last but not least, there's a man named Shamil Volkov, and he's uh, Biakuya's polar opposite. Uh, he's not swayed by emotion at all. Uh, he makes decisions based on what should be, not what his heart is telling him should be. So he's the, the anti-David. Um, but... Yeah, and you have the robot. At, at this point, the latest in iteration of Biakuya's Ray robot, and it's Ray 37. So they're on the space station. That's a bit of a long-winded in intro, but I had to get you up to speed. So they're on the space station, and they see the eruption on the planet. They see the, the petrification wave, and everybody's turned to stone. So now Biakuya's he's got a problem, right? His son is on the surface of the planet. 
most definitely turned to stone. So how does he reach his son? How does he, well, um, like the series out of which this story spirals, if one has a problem rooted in the physical sciences, one should search for a solution within the physical sciences, right? And just like Dr. Stone, there's a lot of hypothesizing and testing and, and uh, you know, the, the little infographic pop-ups that, that happen in Dr. Stone. There's some of that in here. But, I mean, there's a lot of problems facing the crew of this, uh, Biakuya especially. Like, how do they get to the, to the surface of the planet? Those little Soyuz modules that they, they're going to they're gonna send to Earth, how do they get there? Where are they going to land, right? The, the, they have like two spots they could land. This one plain of Kazakhstan or Japan's uh, Kujikuri Beach. So you got a land-based landing or a water-based landing. Each location poses its own set of scientific problems that they have to overcome, right? And their computing resources are like scant. So they have to reduce their margin of error because if they make one little tiny misstep in their calculations... It can translate to tens or hundreds of kilometers. They could they could land in the middle of a volcano or something, or you know what I mean. So, this is where Ray Thirty Seven comes in, right? But all your people on the planet are turned to stone. There's no internet. There's no climate data. There's no humans who are gonna rush to the 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 splashdown site and help them in little boats to take them like there's nobody to help them what do they do power supplies on the satellites orbiting the earth are quickly running out there's many many sets of problems uh the the, the most immediate of which is is the first capsule that makes the descent they they kind of overcome a bunch of hurdles i won't get into it and one capsule is sent towards the earth and it lands in the water, which is great. All right, cool. But it, it lands many, many, many hundreds of kilometers from the, um, the, the site that they originally pinpointed it to land in. And problem, it, it landed upside down. The hatch, mm. the hatch is now underwater, right? And like I said, there's no crews to, to meet them upon their arrival. So now... Biakuya has not only his son on the planet, now he's got his three companions. How do they, the rest of the people on the satellite, uh, how do they rescue that? Like what? But less than halfway through the book, this is where the rug was pulled out of me and I was like, out from under me, I said, what in the hell is happening? Less than halfway through the book, all of the human cast, save one, you never see them again. They're gone. Exit stage left. All the people we were introduced in the first part of the book, they had done their part. The story has been set up. The story shifts to Ray 37, which is alone in space. And right before Biakuya got into his capsule and descended, he said, you know what, Ray? You're awesome. I'll see you soon. And he's tearing up because he knows that his little creation, his little robot, is probably going to expire in space alone. So he's like, yeah, buddy. I'll see you soon. And Ray's like, yes, uh, creator, I will see you soon. I long for the day when I see you again. And they mm-hmm. they separate, right? And so Ray is aboard this, this quickly dwindling uh, space station because she, it's alone in space. It's waiting for the return of its creator. And um, things go south. Problems, science-based problems erupt on the, the space station. 
And Ray, the little robot that could, has to solve them. So the robot thinks, well, my creator will be coming back very soon. Human beings need water. There's no water on this space station. I need to find water. So where do you find water in space? Ice crystals on a comet. Mm. So, so the little robot calculates the position of a comet as it's making its loop back around its trajectory and meets the comet, chops off a chunk of the comets because the, the actual meat of a comet is not all that big. Right. I mean, yeah, it could be 400, 500 meters, whatever, but it's not like planet size, you know. So the, the little robot chops off part of this, this giant comet and drags it back to the International Space Station and harvests it for minerals and ice. And now this takes a long time. So as all this is happening, years pass. Uh, many, many years pass, right? So the robot upgrades itself in the process and it gets smarter and it makes copies of itself to do Ooh. other things. And it, it, it makes, um, well, I don't want to spoil it. It makes things that make its robot life easier. Like it, it repairs the solar cells on the International Space Station many, many, many times, right? Um, but it's not a dry science text, right? Uh, it, it's, it's this little thing that's alone in space and it's a robot, but it, he's really looking at the human condition, right? Through this little ball-shaped robot. Uh, and by the time the book is over, 3,570 years have passed between the time when Biakuya descended to the planet Earth and the robot, I mean, I, I really want to let you know what happens at the end of this thing, but I can't. I would be spoiling it. I would be spoiling it. There's, all right, here's a clue. There's, there's one s section really early in the book where um, the Lily and the diva, right? She's uh, with Biakuya and she, she's a diva, right? So she sings and she dances and she's singing and dancing in zero gravity. Right, and I'm just like, okay, here we go. Boichi's using his God-given amazing ability to draw beautiful women uh, to his advantage. Because in a lot of Doctor Stone, there's there's gorgeous women, and they are they are positioned in gorgeous ways. I can't fault the guy. Uh, it's not the the crux. It's not tarot. It's not the crux of the book. But whenever there's a female in a scene, the female is outstandingly gorgeous. Right, so he does what he does well, and he draws this woman in zero g, and she's doing this dance, and she's moving, and it's awesome. And there's a callback to the scene towards the end of the story that will have you bawling like a baby. You will cry your friggin' eyes out if you don't. I'm not saying you know you're subhuman, but maybe you should. You know your your heart is about as hard as the stone in the title of the book because this thing is. I'm reading it, I'm thinking. Why am I feeling this? I don't feel these things. I don't care. Uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't care about the average person if this happened to them. Why am I caring about this? Look and, at that. Even and, an android can cry. Honest to God, it was, it's, a, it's an amazing, deeply affecting, just, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. It really is. And you don't need to know any about Dr. Stone to read it. 
if you want to have it's a feel good book too well most of it's a feel good <laughs> book most of it there are some very very heartbreaking sections like um and it all uh hinges on ray you know having one last um communication with her crea- with its creator it it'll you'll cry you will cry yep i thought it was amazing and it's like i said done in one from viz or yeah and shonen jump and it's only 12.99 for the volume so you can get it for what six bucks at amazon whatever i i Do you would know if it's available on the shonen jump app Oh, it, well, I don't know. It should be, right? I don't know what's available on the Shonen Jump app. Okay. But, but this is just... And boy, she can draw like a son of a bitch. Not only women. Technology. Um, he draws extremely handsome men. Uh, it's He's a complete... He's a consummate illustrator. I have never seen this guy draw something that didn't take my breath away. Yeah. And he's Korean. He lives in Japan. Wow. The yeah. rare X, the uh, the rare expat in japan yep 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 um i uh there you're gonna hear about it again on maybe that little awards show that we do at the end of the year <laughs> oh word? Or, or, or yeah beginning of next year no yeah, it's 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 striking it's a striking book it, you know it'll 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 if you have doubts about um whether or not the human race uh is deserving of uh existence maybe you should read this book mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, I love how you're giggling as you're saying that. I, I can't, I can't, I can't reveal any of the, the the pertinent details. I would love to, but I can't because then you'd be like, "You asshole! You you ruined that whole scene for me." I'm like, "I'm sorry." It's it's what I do. I ru- it I is what it. you do. Yeah, but it's it's great. Get it, get it, get it. Nice. Yeah. So silly. He's so crazy. I can't remember the last time I got choked up reading a comic. Maybe um, Shade the Changing Man? Wow. Wow. Holy shit. When it was coming out? Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So so not this century then. Shit. No. Yeah. All right then. That's, yeah. That is, whew. That's, yeah. Wow. All right. Okay. I see you. Um, I see This was you. a really, this is a really good mail week because uh, I got two um kickstarter campaigns delivered this did you now yeah uh one of which i'm not going to get into because i barely started it yet but that's that's the thick ass and i didn't expect it to be this fucking thick dagger dagger um but uh i also backed um tetsukor's new campaign for bloom number one and um and I know it's got a new campaign for the second issue. It's 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 already in my DCBS order for for this month. But um, that came with not just the first issue, but it also came with uh, the collections of of the other um, Hero Tomorrow books. Because when Vincent and I spoke to him at uh, spoke with him at C two E two, our last time we were there, I think it was twenty nineteen. Um, we uh, I left with. I think it was. I think you only had three issues of Tap Dance Killer, uh, so I never finished a series. It's a five issue series, so it, it's. I received the hardcover of that, and I could finally read um, some uh, Apama. But I did read the first issue of Bloom, 
and the art is the, the, it, Ted wrote it and uh, Butch Mappa drew it. And the art reminded me somewhat when I, this is what I was referring to when we were talking about um, Abbott a little while ago is that uh, there it is, is, is similar to a degree, but I don't, uh, but, and, and map is really good. I love, I love the clothing. I love, um, I love the figure work, but some of the, uh, the, the, there's a scene where a couple of people are getting hot and heavy. Um, and, uh, the nude work doesn't seem to be as strong as the rest of, uh, of the rest of everything else. But as far as the first issue goes, if, if you're not familiar with any of the, Hero Tomorrow stuff. I think this this worked really well because we're basically we're introduced to um, to this mechanic Ramsey, whose dream is 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 to be a um, the comic book creator, and, and and he's got an idea for a comic book. Um, and he uh, he's engaged, lived was uh, lives with his fiance, and uh, the two of them and a couple of friends go to a. Um, go to the Hessler street fair. The, the story, I'm sorry, the story takes place in 1969 in, uh, in Cleveland. Um, so to go to the fair, there's some music playing, there's a band going on and, and, uh, and there's what seems to be a, a, a gypsy esque belly dancer on the stage. And, um, and she's doing her thing and Ramsey's just mesmerized and he just couldn't keep her eyes off or even, and even a fiance is like, you know, let's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bored. Maybe we can, um, uh, I think I've had enough. Let's go. And, and, and he's just like, no, 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 let's, let, let's wait. And so after, after the show's over, um, he goes up to her and, and, and he's not hitting on her or anything. He's just like, listen, he says, um, he says, I, I, I got an idea. He says, I'm developing this comic book series and, and I think you'd be perfect for, um, the perfect sort of inspiration for the villain. And, and she just starts laughing. Uh, she doesn't blow him off. She gives him her number. Um, her name's Regina and he's, he's not fixated on her or anything. He's not dreaming about her. He's not really shunning his fiance for anything like that. It, it, it all seems so normal and above board. He's, he's legit. Um, but he does tell his fiance that, you know, yeah, I was speaking with her and, and, you know, I was hoping that we could do a photo shoot. Um, and, uh, and he just, he drifts off to sleep after saying that. And, and she's just kind of got this look on her face. So, um, he's, he tries calling Regina a couple times and no, she, she keeps having to reschedule the weekend. They finally get together is the weekend of Woodstock. And she was actually supposed to go, but she was, she'd already rescheduled on Ramsey three times and she didn't want to blow him off again. So he's like, yeah, but that fucking Woodstock. She's like, listen, this is important to you. I, I, I felt like I was doing you dirty. So let's just, you know, let me, let, let me help you out. And they go into the woods and this is where the bulk of this issue takes place. And it, it, I was like, before we even at the halfway point, they're already walking into the woods. And then the rest of the book is, is just, is really getting to know you kind of conversation. And, um, I like the way Ted has kind of developed or fleshed out these characters. Uh, they're the, the conversation it's, you know, it's nothing over the top. It's not necessarily comic booky. It's, it's, it feels as if, you know, again, real, but, um, they're just chit chat and she's, uh, 
part Romanian. She's uh, she talks about her family. He's talking about you know what he's trying to um, what he's been doing. He's a mechanic and uh, just having this little conversation. And then she starts getting into it. And he's trying to paint these tattoos on her body for the photo shoot because he's explaining to her the the motivation behind the character and, and what he's trying to do. Um, and she's you know. She's up for. She's a good sport. She's not. She's not mocking him or anything like that. It's. It's really kind of refreshing in that regard. Uh, and they keep going further and further into the woods, and then they find like this old shackled ramshackle, just just this house that just no idea why it's there. Because even Ramsey's like, "There's no driveway. How, how do people leave? Why would somebody? How would someone live here?" So the the house is basically it's abandoned, um, and. Uh, and that's when we get um, we get a little. That's when things kind of take a turn. Then now we turn into um, the more of the adult feature of of the story because she goes into the house first, and Ramsey's hesitant, and and uh, he finally walks in, and she's standing there naked, and and she's just like you know don't don't be don't get all square on me now. It's like you know you've 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 painted nudes before, you know. So let's just. He's like, yeah, no, no, that, that that's cool. Give me a minute, and and so he continues to paint her. He's painting her body because before it was just where there were her clothes, her bare arms, and her torso, everything that was exposed. He painted. Now he's getting to paint a little bit more of her body, and they're taking some more photos, and she's posing and everything like that, and um, they start making eyes at each other, and. Um, and the issue, and his first issue ends uh, with, you know what, just bound to happen actually happens. So uh, that's where it ends. I have no idea. You know, they're still in the woods. Don't know what's going to happen in the second issue. If he's going to go home, if he's going to come clean. Uh, but I thought I was really, um, I was really happy with, with 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 this issue itself, with just the way everything was presented, how it played out. Um, Nothing, nothing, you know, made me think that this bullshit or that makes no sense. Or you just, you know, you tried to position everything to work this way. It just, it, it was a nice flow. I, 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 I really dug it a lot. So, um, looking forward to the second issue. Um, if, uh, if you missed the first issue and you're interested, like I said, the, the Kickstarter is available for this, the second issue, which I believe includes, or there's a tier for, to include the first issue, a um, bunch of variant covers for it if you want it. But I mean, it's it's soup to nuts. But uh, this was this was really good. Um, I know Vince also reads the Hero Tomorrow stuff, so I'm not trying to um, go deep and giving too much away with it. But I thought uh, I thought the art, I really like the art, um, and I like. Uh, I like what Ted's going with it, but this was, uh, this was pretty nifty. It felt, it, and it didn't even like, aside from the clothes and maybe some of the lingo, it's not like it really felt like it was a dated book, but, um, but yeah, I need to, now that I have the rest of the library from the publisher, I can, uh, see where Bloom fits in on everything else because I am not, um, as well versed, uh, as Vince is, uh, on Ted's stuff, but I liked it a lot. Never read a Ted Sakura book I didn't enjoy. I believe it. He, yeah. Got Never a very, read a Ted Sakura book. He's got a very, very unique <laughs> voice. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's fitting. I mean, it it does. He he does have that um, that 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 more Marvel than DC, but definitely a, a the Bronze Agey kind, oh of, kind God, of attitude. Yeah. And it's yeah, it it, it kind of drips with it. But uh, yeah, I um, I get the I feeling that the stuff that goes on in the the Hero Tomorrow verse happened around the corner from the events of Omega the Unknown. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. the, right, right. It's it's got that that Bronze Age. Uh, sensibility that could have happened at the same time as the marvel stuff same location it's just for yeah, sure yeah well fellas listen we've got ourselves a kickstarter orama mm. Ooh, yes we do because i didn't get any ted sakura stuff uh this week but i did get some other kickstarter stuff including good friend of the show mr michael walsh sent me uh my uh my volume one of the sleep stories Oh. Which uh, so Michael has been doing um, of his own volition, writing and drawing a web comic called thesleepstories.com. And it's essentially just his deepest, darkest nightmares. Um, and it's creepy because if you know Michael, he's drawing himself and his wife into the comic. So it's pretty it's pretty freaky. Um, I'm sure more freaky for him, but uh, but the, uh, he did a Kickstarter just to publish in in comic form. It's actually a pamp, like it's a regular, it's a it's a comic. It's not a trade or a hardcover. It's it's just a single comic uh, that that uh, uh, and even the even the cardstock on the front is 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 just like normal paper. So it almost kind of feels like a zine uh, in its format, but it is um, it's a page by page print of the web comic so if you're if you didn't back the kickstarter and you're always like well thanks for telling me about a kickstarter i don't know where to get it y- yeah you can you can go to the sleepstories.com and read the whole thing for free or if you're so inclined there's a donate button you can always throw them a few shekels that way if you like it enough but either way um and it's ongoing this is volume one but this was a collection of what he had done so far and it's just freaking unbelievably creepy i mean it's it's uh, if you can imagine like the kind of bad dreams you've had, he's probably captured it in this. And a lot of it, well, maybe all of it uh, relates to um, kind of things in the dark, you know, um, whether it be as a kid, things under your, under your bed or tapping at your window. But, uh, but he gets, he gets gross with it. I mean, there's, there's one where he, he starts getting like, pustules on his arms and then out pokes a hair and next thing he knows he's he's turning himself into an arachnid um there's uh, there's one where he he dreams of, he, he he hears noise and then he sees this disgustingly almost like a creature with no no um no bones like a humanoid creature with no bones like like enveloping his his baby his baby sibling and uh, you know, as, as he calls for his parents, there's another where there's a floating witch just floating in the middle of their suburban street, floating in the air, kind of just, and they can't leave their home because if they do, the witch will kill them. Um, and it's just, it's just nightmare upon nightmare. It's it's from the deep dark recesses of his, of the things that freak him out. And uh, there's the corner man and the big bad wolf and. Um, it's 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 crazy, and his he he evokes true horror with this stuff. Uh, it it is, 
it is a, a frightening read and and really well executed and and and, and full disclosure it is horror and there's there's a lot of uh, not only scary illustration but there's there's body horror and and it's definitely not for the faint of heart but uh, super stoked to support his little personal endeavor and uh, yeah glad to have backed it so um, I'm, I I presume um, that that when we get back to having cons he'll have copies of this when he tables I would imagine that's how a lot of these these artists do this when they do this kind of thing. Because this, this, unlike many Kickstarters, I don't believe this was solicited in Diamond subsequent to the Kickstarter. I don't. I think this is more of a personal project than something he's going to go through a publisher. Um, but, but like I said, if you're curious about what I'm talking about, you can just go to thesleepstories.com and check it out yourself. Um, you don't have to have back the Kickstarter. But it was really, really creepy and well executed. And if I only had a nitpick, it would be he should have released this for Halloween because it would be perfect, perfect Halloween month reading. <laughs> It certainly does look good, and and you're only going to have to go to thesleepstories.com uh, to see it because that's WebP again. So I can't do a <laughs> well, damn thing. Oh, because, oh. I mean, it's we 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 did find out from Panel Syndicate that uh, mm. that, that there are. Well, I'm in I'm in Firefox, and it won't let me save them. So that's just up. Okay, whatever. I'm Sorry, not, I'm not worried about it. They know where to go because you told them, right? That's right. Who that? Yep. What else do we have? Yo, I got some more stuff. Of course you do. Uh, let's see. Oh, Dan. Oh, I see that you read something that I haven't received yet. Well, who are you talking to? You. Really? The new Stoko joint. Oh yeah, I won't get it. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's oh a, man! It must be yeah, I, saw, I, I saw it on the shelf yesterday. Nice. It's am, it's actually amazing. Yeah, I, I I don't understand why they. Well, I I understand it's a single issue standard size comic, but if I was Richardson, I would have published this thing bigger, man. Yeah, would, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of detail in it, and uh, well, that goes without saying, right? Um, James Stoko detail, ha. Huh. Uh, but I mean, it's not lost. On the pages, mm-hmm. but I think this would have benefited for from a much, a much larger footprint on the art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was wonderful. Good, good. Since yeah. we're giving bona fides, I will say Dap already spoke on Firepower recently, so you can go back and listen to his talk on it. But I did catch up. I read two through nine Ooh. this week, and I definitely concur with his enthusiasm. I think it's great. It's uh, you know, Sami's perfect for this visually like i just think it's a perfect story for him to be telling and it's uh i'm definitely yeah it's 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 kirkman's got another winner indeed there you go lucky to have mr somni on the visuals otherwise it wouldn't be a winner so there you go no definitely i mean well you know some some stories can be done by lots of different people some you read and you think i don't know who else would do this right and I mean, I think there are other artists that could do this too, but it would have to be someone that's in that same kind of school. I think the style right. is, is exactly spot on yeah. for this story. Yeah. But I mean, let's be honest. If you've got Somni on a project, you know, you're almost almost guaranteed success. I know there's no guarantee, there's no sure things, uh, at least as far as art goes. But I, I would right. think, you know, uh, past performance would, would uh, indicate that, yeah, it's going to be something really special. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. That's a sure thing with me. Right. Because he's paying you to say that. That's why. 
All the time. <laughs> every, every time. Nah. Uh, Jason and I can tag team again on uh, oh. the first issue of Geiger. Oh, word. Okay. Okay. We'll speak on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, listen, it, it, I wasn't sure if I was going to stick with it uh, at about the halfway point. But when we get to the end of the issue, I was like, okay, I think... I I'm I'm on board for for now, but at, at the start I'm a little I wasn't put off by it, but I was like, oh, all right, so this these two dudes are going to tell this story because we take you know we're we start off with 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 a Geiger counter, um, checking the area and uh, and and these two dudes just you know pass the time. And he's like, well, you know, you can you can tell me a story. And he's like, well, what, what what do you want to hear? He's like, tell me about the the one about the man, the one who walks outside without a suit because that's a fucking mouthful. So um, they say back in the day you could spot him around here at night, all lit up, and um, and and so he's like, listen, he says, uh, you know, he was called a lot of things, Joe Glow. The Man of Mass Destruction, The Walking Bomb, The Meltdown Man. So, um, so this old dude's going to tell Young Buck this story. And, uh, and, and our hero's name is uh, Tariq Geiger. And everything he did, good and bad, was for family. And so we find out on July, I'm going to say 4th, of the year 2030, so it's a few years in the future, uh, the uh, the bomb goes off. Uh, after months of global violence, it is unknown who started, who has started this war, uh, but the war has in fact been kicked off. So, um, so Tariq yells to his wife, yells to his two kids. Let's be feet. We got to make it to the bunker. And they live in Boulder City, Nevada. And they're making their way to the bunker. And he's like, listen, you know, we're good to go. Air filters, hydroponics. We can live down here as long as we need. Uh, apparently, and I don't know if this has to do with his balding. I don't know. I, I don't know how sick he is. I don't know what the disease is yet. But, um, or, or illness rather. But but she's like, you know, you. what about your medicine? And he's like, I, he's telling Tracy, I got plenty. Don't worry about it. Um, he's like, she's worried about him running out. He's like, listen, we've got no choice. We've got to get in here. Uh, so we'll just, we'll, we'll take it as it comes. So, um, dog is barking off panel. So Tariq runs to go get the family dog. And as he's heading back with the dog to the bunker, he gets shot in the shin and it's his neighbors coming over, guns in hand, ready to take the shelter. They, they, they want in on the bunker, kick your family out. He's like, that ain't fucking happening. Tells Tracy, close the door, just close it right now. And um, and she does. And the, um, the, the, the cloud comes, swoops them in. That's all Tariq is looking at. In the distance, that just it, the neighbors are just done. They're gone. They're dust. Um, very Doctor Manhattan esque with 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 a couple of the panels when when the uh, 
when then fallout hits Tariq, um the hands go and and we fade to black and it's 20 years later so now we're in in 2050 um and and that's where the bulk of um the bulk of the issue happens there's a couple dudes basically scavenging um they're what they what they're doing are they're looking for resources because um they are they the king they have to pay taxes to the king um and uh and they come across this massive massive wall of uh all these it kind of looks tetris it's just a bunch of little squares um and uh and they're basically they're crushed cars and when um when these dudes try to break down the door to um get through the barrier that's when who i assume is Tariq shows up at the top of the wall and and lets them know that you know you're trespassing um and one of the dudes is like that guy ain't got no suit on and uh and and he's telling him listen i've had garbage correct garbage collectors like yourselves come around now and again trying to get past my property line um the ones that didn't get off my land when i asked ended up under it and that's how I got all these cars. So they're like, let's, this is the glowing man. Let's take him out. Um, he ain't glowing right now. Whatever those tall tales were told about him, you know, he ain't 15 feet tall. They're yelling at him, you know, if you wanted me to stay out, if you wanted, us, if you wanted people out to stay out, should have put up a sign. And Tariq springs into action very super does a whole superhero landing and everything and 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 takes them out um and he uh now all of a sudden he's glowing and it's a pretty cool image nice splash page um he scares them off they take off um and they uh they they, they leave the goods that, uh, that they were traveling around with he ends up taking them and um and it, it, there's a couple Easter eggs here and there that I guess will play out later on. Um, Tariq has a two-headed dog, and so he—that's uh, who keeps him company. Um, he talks about—he's talking to the dog about um, about what they're going to watch, what they're going to read, and uh, Junkyard Joe is a comic book that he he has, and um, there's a very Larson-esque comic strip at the end of the issue of a junkyard Joe strip. Um, but what I was worried about was this whole thing with the King, because we were, we're introduced to the King. He's a spoiled brat. I was like, I don't, I, this is, it, it started off being one thing. If, if this is just some, the boy who would be King trying to talk shit and, and thinking he's entitled to things and, and it's just going to be some battle between this punk and Tariq. I don't necessarily know if I want to sign on for that, but we find out that, um, well, where the King resides. And when you, uh, after you get to the last page and you find out, you know, you're in Vegas, there's a whole map of the strip and the King is, uh, is just one of 
the few, um, we'll call them bosses, because you also have Nero, who of course hangs out at Nero's at the Coliseum. There's the uh, there's uh, Safari Bob. There's um, Bonnie Borden. Looks like a flapper girl. So there's there's uh, basically the bosses have staked out the different casinos and and that's that's where they rule and and um hopefully we'll get more info on on them and where their um their borders lie and 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 what else they might be in charge of but once i got to that part once i found out that it wasn't just the king or he was just one of many um bosses uh my interest meter went up again i think i mean it's not so much i'm not Therese's cool character, and 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 obviously he survived, and I'd like to know more. But um, but finding out what's going on in Vegas is uh, is kind of where my attention is is kind of leading right now. But I, I like I said I was thought it was one thing when we started, thought it was something else when we got towards the middle, and then when I finished it, uh, I was happy where we ended up. But I um, I'll definitely be back for the second issue, and 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 Frank's art and and Anderson's colors, it it, it looks fantastic. Um. Yeah. I. 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 I guess I liked it a lot less than you did. <laughs> okay. Um. I. I. I consider myself a Gary Frank fan, but I found if you're gonna if you're gonna name a character Tariq Geiger, and you're gonna make reference in his racist neighbors to say that he his people probably caused this. Strongly inferring that he's Middle Eastern and Muslim, you can't draw him like a balding old white dude. I, I I don't know if there was a lost in translation there, but I didn't think that the pre-nuked up Tariq looked Middle Eastern in any discernible way. I can uh, see that, yeah. And that yeah. bothered me a lot, uh, maybe more than it should. But I was like, oh, okay, because I just felt like, dude, like I don't like. There isn't a lot of. Because like until until we get to the post nuke thing, it's a fairly visually plain book because it's just humans. Oh right? shit, dude! I mm, uh, maybe what? we should talk about this after. Um, I wonder. I oh, fuck this. Okay, there's apparently there was not apparently some news happened this week. I'm wondering now, as you're saying this, and as I'm looking back at Tariq as he's telling his wife to to close the door, I'm wondering if there was an audible. To her, for a name change, as if as a way to show that you know, listen, this is this is the hero of my story. How how can I be? Couldn't have got it printed in record. Yeah, time. I would think you could get it printed. Okay, in. all right, no, that's fine, that's fine. But um, but no, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the 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 king. The king is a was was de- definitely seemed to me to be just a a comic version of of Joffrey from, from Game of yeah. Thrones, yeah, yeah, visually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just wasn't hooked. I just wasn't hooked. I I just didn't. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for the post-apocalyptic, so I, I was really excited for this because I I do consider myself a Jeff Johns fan, and he hadn't done any creator own work um, at least in a long, long time, and and I didn't realize until today that this is the first of a new imprint he's got an image where he's going to be kind of doing the Kirkman thing. He's going to be show running an entire imprint of image books, um, but but this is the debut of of that. Um, yeah, I just it, I think I'm one and done. I it didn't it just didn't hook me. I, I 
like I said, I think I, I generally consider myself a Gary Frank fan, but I, I the world he built in this didn't hook me visually at all. I, I didn't thought it was very sparse. I, I even like the wall of cars. I thought, okay, that's I don't know. Like it just didn't seem interesting to me. Like I thought to myself, well, what if like what if Jerome Pena was tasked with doing this? What would he have drawn? Or you know, what if what would Nick Dragada have drawn if he were told to draw? A, a post-apocalyptic, post-nuclear fortress. Like, would it look? And I, it just to me, it wouldn't look like a bunch of blocked, of squished-up cube cars that, in a Tetris wall. It just, it, I don't know. Like, it just. I guess I'm blaming Gary. For, to me, it felt very uninteresting visually. Um, and I just. So I think I'm out. Yeah, I think I'm out. Okay. Yeah. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I mean, I, I really had high hopes for it. I think this. I also was. I think this is heavy expectations for me. I, I just thought this was like a like a, a perfect thing to see. John's finally going out and doing his own thing, and I thought, wow, it's going to be fun. He's not going to be burdened by. But then I. But now that I think about it, you know, one of the things I love about John's, and I assume most people do, is that he's such a DC continuity wonk. That the magic is he's able to play into that. And give you these stories that play into the crevices of stuff without messing up the continuity he grew up with, and and it's a real it's a real talent that he has. It's almost like his thing when you think about it. And and obviously with this, he's not he doesn't have the benefit or the or the or the or the hindrance of that. And I I, I guess I expected it to be a a positive that he was going to be unbridled by DC continuity. But in retrospect, maybe it was a maybe maybe he's maybe he benefits from having those guardrails up. Um, where he can he he there's some ground rules that he gets to play in. Um, don't know, don't know. I mean, unfair to to judge a, a series after one issue, but uh, but I guess ultimately that's the that's the comics biz, right? One issue, yeah. get get one issue to hook us. If you do, if you do, you would keep going. If not, we're out. And uh, you know, so yeah, I think I'm out. And it says nothing to do. People are gonna. It has nothing to do with what's been going on this week with him. I I, I don't. Again, I I I'm not going to get into that because. I don't know that we're really even in the position to get into that. But no, yeah, no, which is why I didn't want to. Yeah, I yeah. I'm just saying, if people, if people are like, "Oh, no, I, it's not," I, it, I, I, I totally was expecting to to love this and you know, putting aside. I, I, I'll just say I don't think Jeff Johnson. Is, I, I haven't seen enough evidence for me to think Jeff Johnson needs to be canceled. Put it that way. So I'm, I'm, I'm not canceling Jeff Johns. Same. Yeah. 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 Cool. I didn't read it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. Not your thing. No, I don't think so. I do enjoy... You like John's, though. Yeah, I do. And and I like Gary Frank, but I just... The preview pages, it just looks like... I didn't know. I I thought they were just uh, riding out the the, uh, uh, nine-panel grid doomsday clock thing again. And I I just... I don't know. Surprisingly, they weren't. I mean, there's... there's, uh, He... he, Frank mixes it up. Um, He doesn't... uh, there's it, it it's more of your traditional um you know some panels have some pages have a couple panels some some pages have uh six or seven so it's not um it's not the nine panel grid at all nice can i also say that i think the cloak is like the most overdone thing in in fictional stories this one looks like a, a, a trash bag also i wasn't I, i'm not sure yeah i just I, don't I don't understand why so many people feel the need to be cloaked in worlds like this, where there's seeming like four living people. Yeah. I mean, if, you're in the, if you're in a bazaar and there's thousands of people that may recognize you, you get a cloak to hide. Well, but like when you're in a desert post-apocalyptic and there's like you see, who doesn't want to get a sunburn? You see another living person like once every 
<laughs> month, I don't know that you need a cloak, especially if you're nuclear and, and I, I don't. No. Well, yeah. Apparently, cloaks are very, very important because all of the ghosts on YouTube are wearing them. <laughs> I mean, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There, it, yeah, there's a current trend that, you know, hooded and, and cloaked, you're, you're a ghost. Uh, there you go. It's pretty I saw, ridiculous. I saw a commercial that I, I almost I almost cut myself because I was in the kitchen washing the dishes and, and I heard the dude tell the ghost, you do not have my permission to enter through me. Because yeah, that works, right? <laughs> I almost lost yeah, I can, You can see the ghost going, serious. oh, ooh, the ghost is like, oh. Okay, all right. I guess I gotta leave because you sound really. Right. You're really serious. I'm just backing the hell out. Sorry, my bad. I'm out. Fuck you. That's what I would say if I was a ghost. <laughs> Fuck you. But That's anyway, you say when you were we'll ghost. fall for the oaky yeah. cloak. No, no. I got some comfort food. Please do. Where does my comfort food come from? My comic book comfort food. Where does it all come from? One, there's one company that gives me what oh, I dynamite? want. Yes. Oh, you love the dynamite. You rock <laughs> you the dynamite as a sponsor. You rock for the dynamite hard. I know it's ridiculous, and I don't really. I, 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 it is kind of silly, uh, but I don't. I don't make um, excuses for the stuff I love. And in fact, you know me. You know I can't stand those two words put together: guilty and pleasure. It drives me nuts when people say that. But. Um, it is a thing. Um, I read the first issue of Vampirella versus Purgatory, and I loved every goddamn page of it. <laughs> I, I, uh, written by Ray Fox, illustrated by Alvaro Saraseca, and color art by Salvatore Ayala. It's a really simple setup, but I think the setup is brilliant. When, when it was revealed, I was like, Wow, that has legs. Like, you could, technically, you could build an entire series around this setup. And it's just this thing that's thrown out there early in the issue. It's it's Lilith's birthday. And you know Lilith is Vampirella's mama. And we're talking biblical Lilith, right? Um, mama of the vampires, uh, nasty, deceitful, deceptive... Have, have- How'd Lilith get on Draculon? That's no, 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 no. Oh, That's, no, no. It's okay. different. Yeah, no, no. So uh, I'm not gonna get into all that. Just okay, no, suspension of disbelief. Lilith had some fun with somebody she shouldn't. And okay. Vampirella came out of it. But anyway, so it's Lilith's birthday, and um, her creepy underling uh, named Undine, who who apparently lives in a pit, uh, a pool. Uh, in in uh, Lilith's living room, and Undine is half um, sea creature, half tentacled, half half uh, of Lovecraftian beast uh, below the waist, which kind of damns her fun. But above the waist, she's a naked lady, right? And and this this underling has cooked up something special based on an ancient legend. She says, "Okay, Lilith, happy birthday! I got something for you." Do you remember the, those people called the Zadkim Nistarim? And Lilith's like, hmm. Well, it is said that at any given time on the planet, there are 32 truly 
good souls alive, pure, uncorruptible souls. And God took a look at these 32 souls, or he takes a look at the, the 32 souls in the Zadkim Nistarim, and he says, you know what? These 32 shining examples of humanity are just enough to justify the entire human race's existence in my mind. So I'm going I'm to let humanity find its, its way, find its course. I'm not going to fuck them up. But, and here's the, the hook, if only one of these souls is ever corrupted, all bets are off for humanity. Apocalypse, nasty stuff happening, God turns his back on, on the human organism, and Lilith laughs and laughs and laughs. So Lilith's like, oh, this is great. I'm going to consider this a challenge. I'm going to play with the fate of the entire human race for purely for shits and giggles. Plus, it's going to piss off my daughter to no end. Um, Armageddon, just for the sake of annoyance, right? And I think that premise is awesome. Like the Zadkim Nistarim, you could make, technically, you could make an entire series. If there's 32 different people, you know what I mean? It would be like pure soul of the week and it would get boring after a while. But I'm just saying, you could build a, a nice run around this. Um, so uh, Lilith sends her sliffs after one of the 32. And you know what a sliff is, right? Not a clue. A sliff is an air elemental, right? But in but uh, in okay. yeah, but in Lilith's stable, they are of the infernal bent. They're wispy, skull-faced, necro winds. They're they're farts, right? They're they're nasty farts with skull faces, and and she sends them after this old woman, but the plot fails thanks to Vampirella. Um, but Lilith has eyes on the prize, right? Because Undine has the sight. She could, she could see, um, she's got the, the seeing, the scrying. She could see well beyond her location into events that are taking place nowhere near her, right? So, um, she's telling Lilith everything that's going on. She's like, oh, okay, well, it looks like your daughter stepped in and Lilith's like, ugh, you bitch. And she's like, well, it looks like your daughter has a friend. <laughs> because uh, Lilith does love to rain on Vampirella's parade. She likes to put the screws to her daughter. Um, and during the events of the, the Sliffs attacking the old woman, Purgatory shows up. And Purgatory's like, hi, how you doing? I'm Purgatory. I'm your, <laughs> <laughs> I'm your, I'm your friend. I'm a, hot, I'm a hot vampire devil chick and i just want to be your friend and um vampirella doesn't really question it uh but the fact is purgatory has the potential to be a friend to vampirella and lilith loves to take vampirella's friends away because it causes her pain and heartbreak right um that's just the kind of mom lilith is seriously sure. right no she's nasty but she's hot as hell um of course that forgives everything yes uh, but Purgatory is not too specific as to why she has invaded Vampirella's life, or for that matter, why. <laughs> but so here's the deal. They take the old woman. They save her. They take the old woman to a haunted house. Why would they take her to a haunted house? Well, uh, the presence of spirits fucks with um, Undine's sight 
it makes her uh it, it's akin to her putting her ear to Jimi hendrix feedback uh drenched amplifier it's just there's a lot of noise and pain and she can't concentrate or focus so they take her to this haunted house and uh unbeknownst to vampirella uh she leaves uh purgatory waltzes into the uh the room where the old woman is sleeping and she drains her of her blood so um you got lies manipulation and deceit from mama and apparently uh that's those things are purgatories stock and trade as well i thought it was it was everything i was looking for in in a vampirella comic i thought the the premise was really smart uh it has legs the art was uh of a a level that i've come to expect from dynamite which means it was it was pretty good wasn't outstanding it's not boichi right but i thought the art was good enough for me uh, the women are attractive. I didn't, you know, I, n- nothing, uh, no mark placed on the page ever looked wrong to me during the course of this, reading this issue. I thought it was fine, right? And uh, it's it's loaded with, with TNA. But there was one really curious um, uh, a bookend within the, the issue that I thought was kind of cute. Um, Lilith says to to Undine as she's looking into the events of what's going on with her daughter and stuff. She's like, now, now I want you to tell me everything you see. Don't leave anything out. And then later in the issue, Vampirella says the exact same thing to someone else. So <laughs> she she may be a bit more like Mama than she wants to uh, admit. Right. I thought it was great. And uh, I'm in for the, the super long haul. Uh, as with every Dynamite book, I'm just going to keep getting them in singles and loving them and, and telling you about them because they make me very, very happy. I love it when you're happy. Yeah. Well. I got something that, that, that made me happy. And it's, it's um, I should have lived with this, but it's a, uh, when I was going through the um the loan box for 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 the last episode and i pulled out a couple other things and one of them was an issue of secret origins from 1980 uh 1989 because it was a four it, it, it was a series that only lasted four years lasted 50 issues but i absolutely loved i'm working on on reclaiming my run um but at the time in in the mid 80s when dc brought back secret origins they alternated every month it was a uh every other month was a golden age character followed by a modern age character that happened for about the first five issues and then with issue number six they doubled up it went to um went to 48 pages and they were able to and, and they put two origins in each issue uh bump the price up but whatever so issue 39 is what i've read and issue 39 your two origins include man bat which was written by jan stronet and beautifully illustrated by kevin nolan and the second not so secret secret origin was animal man by grant morrison tom grummet 
and Doug Hazelwood. So this is early Grummet, and it still looks fantastic. Uh, but it, but the Animal Man origin kind of ties into what Grant was doing on the book at the time. There were a couple of aliens who um, are telling us Buddy Baker's origin um, and the way the story ends. It's it's to lead in. Um, but I, it, it just, it reminded me, and I, I remember where, I, you know, the first issue was the Golden Age Superman. Second issue was um, the modern, the present day, the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Um, and, you know, I remember some of the covers. There was a Brian Boland cover for uh, Green Lantern and um, and Sandman. There was a Doom Patrol, which, of course, Byrne got to do. And, and the way they were, some of them had framing sequences, so you could... And, and 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 the animal man and man bat stories they don't intersect at all. The man bat story is its own thing. Um, it's mostly a Batman story that just happens to have Kirk Langstrom's alter ego's origin in the background. Um, the animal man, like I said, was was told to us by by aliens, um, but some of them just might be a story told by the character in question. Um, talking to someone else, whatever it, it, but, but the, the creators that were involved in it, um, some of them in, in the Morrison case, you know, he was writing the animal man series. So he got to do that, that story. So some of them, you know, you might've had an artist do just the cover. It was, it was just, but it was, it was so much fun. And I, 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 I adored the hell out of that series. And while I was reading it though, um, I, I, it, out of the 48 pages, um, for whatever reason, I was, I was, I was struck by the ads because, you know, on, on the back, there's a, uh, there's an ad for the, uh, acclaims, um, WrestleMania video game for the Nintendo. Uh, there's a, um, there's the old school, whole bunch of ads on one page, um, 70s 80s style ad uh there's uh another video game this one for campbell's soup but when i read when, when i just when i focused on the ads i then thought about current comics and how they are just inundated for the most part with house ads there aren't too many advertisers outside of comics putting ads in, in books. And what was weird is that, so there were only four house ads in the secret origins book. So the same 48 pages, I grabbed, um, one of the future state books that was next to me. And there were six, there were six pages of ads in future state justice league. Number two, three house ads. One was a double page spread, but the other three ads were for CW, CW shows or Wonder Woman 1984. So it's all it, it, it's all in house, uh, and the DC Nation page, which I didn't count as an ad, but it's yeah, you know, it was just one of those things where it's you know back then. So this comic cost the buck fifty on the stand. You know, the, the Future State costs like what four ninety nine or something, and and I'm like, and so so you can't tell me it's all about oh it, it's uh, the ads keep costs down and, and any sort of bullshit like that, but. Um, it was weird that uh, 
I just I I I love old comic book ads, but it was it, it was what was interesting I found is that I was flipping through the the current stuff is that the the, the gaps obviously with so few ads um the the future state justice league that that main story wasn't interrupted um really at all with an ad they they didn't start popping up until till the end of um the end of the comic but um I have no idea what the hell that means when it comes to the economics of comics but you know obviously if if DC is putting their own ads in the comics then um it's not like advertisers are helping them keep their costs down um but I just I'm I'm I we we got to get back to cons because I got to get back to filling my um Secret Origins run. This should be fairly easy. Oh yeah, I would think I think these would be easy issues to track down. Yeah. I, I mean, the Nolan art is just beautiful in this issue. The Grummet is too. It, it definitely you can see it's Grummet. It's it's and and eventually he's going to be that the the, the Superboy Grummet that we're used to, but um, the the way Nolan draws Batman and even Man Bat and you definitely feel sorry for him. And what's cool is you know you um you get some uh, the back matter kind of um, breaks down. Um, and in this case, I believe it was by Mark Wade. Um, anything beyond what was shown in the book and all the other appearances from past DC books that, um, cause it was when, when he first appeared animal man, buddy was only known as buddy. It wasn't until Jerry Conway, um, wrote a, uh, wrote him in a story that he actually gave him the last name. Um, and even with, with the whole man bat stuff, he kind of explains how, but, but the, the, one of the ads was for the Janus directive, which I remember coming out, which was a crossover with uh, Checkmate and Suicide Squad, and it was an eleven-part story. Um, I was just really, and of course the Screamer book that I, that, that I talked about last year. But yeah, I just um, I was in the mood to kind of just go back in time, I guess. It's always nice to revisit that nostalgia, especially when it actually works out in your favor, because we have revisited things. Yeah, show. no, no, right when it holds up, yeah, for sure. Not. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There was a uh, there was a discussion in the Facebook uh, group this week where um, someone was talking about um, all the the mutant books back in the day during the Burn of Claremont and then subsequent next few years and 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 just kind of asking like they were going to revisit them and and asking for recommendations beyond the the main X Men book what people thought were were worth reading you know and. Um, and that just kind of fostered a conversation about what you're alluding to, where certain things hold up, certain things don't, you know, um, and also how much you cared about it at the time goes a long way. I mean, I, I've said many times, I think you, you you don't find a person our age that doesn't speak of the Burn Claremont run, regardless of whether you were a huge X-Men fan of just being a seminal work and super important. And it is all that. But at the same point in time. I genuinely believe if you didn't read it then and you weren't feeling the zeitgeist of its importance at the time, it's a slog now. I mean, I think, you know, we joke about it, but Claremont is a wordy bitch. And, and it's he tells you everything that, that these incredible cartoonists are putting on the page instead of just letting them put it on the page. And it's I, I so I can reread those issues anytime and, and love them. But I, I 
but I, I don't know that if if I didn't have the history with it, I I could say the same. And and I think that goes for if if, if you stuck a DC book from that same period of time in my mug, I'd probably be like, oh, this is a slog, um, because I don't uh, I, I don't have the nostalgia for that stuff. So and we we know people who who didn't read Watchmen or or Born Again or any of the evergreens at the time when they were coming out. And, and, you know, people are like, I don't younger, younger readers, but even newer comic book readers are like, I don't, I, I, I don't know why Watchmen was such. See, now, yeah, I was, now I would have to say that's nonsensical to me. Like, like it, it, <laughs> no, I mean like it's, you know, it's like one of those things where I, you don't have to love the Beatles, but if you tell right. me the Beatles suck, yes. then I'm like, I, that, see, this is where I, yep. this is where I think you have to draw the line. Cause, cause, I don't think, from a craft standpoint, someone that's never read Watchmen can't. If you can't read Watchmen today after having never read it and understand the magnificence of it, then I just don't think you're. To me, that, that I just don't think that. I think the, it's an apples oranges. I, I think something like that, or 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 Year One. I, I think those books are evergreen because they're masterful and timeless. Because there there is no flaw. They're they're not. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't done in a certain way because of the time that dates them. In, it's it's like reading a classic novel, you know. Uh, I get that someone reading Chaucer today is going to struggle, like that. I get, but I don't understand how you could read, you know, uh, Hemingway and not get it. Like you may not like the story, but but I mean, but the, the the writing is 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 plain English structure that you would get. So I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like uh, to me, that like I think there there's a delineation there. Like I. It'd be an interesting topic for once for like classics that do and don't hold up. But I, I, I would cast a huge side eye to someone that said, "Oh, Watchmen is just I don't get it. It's it's because of its of its time." Like, no, it's not of its time. Actually, I don't think. I think it's it is timeless. That is what yeah. makes it. That is what makes it Watchmen. That is why it continues to sell tens of thousands of copies every year because it is timeless. But anyway, a little tangent there. <laughs> um, uh, I uh, so. I sent Vin, um, Vince is is super diligent about uh, many things on the show, and he doesn't give himself enough credit. Not not only does he produce the show, but he handles all the visuals, well, the majority of the visuals, and uh, and all that. And and he's often says, "Hey, if you guys have um, images for the books you want to talk about, by all means, send them to us." And I can't speak about I don't know if maybe Dap does. I rarely, if ever, do that. And Vince is still never complains and pulls images of the stuff I talk about while we're talking about it and puts it in the, in the show. And I always appreciate that getting harder and harder to do, (laughs) but anyway, Uh, you mean? Yeah. 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 Um, but, but with that said, um, this book, I, I, as I was reading it, I thought, well, first of all, I want to let Vince see the images because I think he's going to love them. Mm -hmm. And two, um, it's it's a book who I think its strong suit is by far its image is is the cartooning and I didn't know how to give it a a true I didn't know how to evoke it by describing it um, without having a couple images for people to reference so I'm speaking about uh, from Fantagraphics Red Rock Baby Candy uh, written and drawn by Shira Spector it's her debut graphic novel um, she is a long time professional illustrator though um she's actually won quite a few awards up in canada i was reading about her um but this is her first comic work it's a 216 page hardback oversized it's nine by 12 and a half um it, it's it very hyped book you know fanta um not to get off on a tangent but but i i was uh, i was marveled at how much like fanta graphics is incredible i i feel like i i do not give them 
they're just desserts because I was uh, looking at the uh, they they did their annual Fanta Buck sale the, last week, and uh, when I was looking for stuff to order for it because I always try and order it because it's a great deal. It's basically a fifty percent off sale. Um, I couldn't believe the number of Fantagraphics books in the last three or four years that I've read. I was like, oh, I already have that, read that, have that, have that. But uh, but anyway, this is the, the newest joint from them, and um, it's getting a ton of critical claim. I think you'll see it a lot of best of lists. And um, and when I tell you it's about people are going to snicker because it's what Dap always makes fun of me for the kind of book I read. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's, and I, I will read the self-described. Shira describes herself as an infertile, high-femme, low-income, non-biological Jewish mom, dyke drama queen, and ectopic pregnancy survivor. So, <laughs> um, you know, it is it is a book uh, very much steeped in... Uh, it's an autobiographical book. It is uh, it, it encapsulates roughly 10 years of her life, although it does also touch on her childhood as well, uh, at least to set the tone. Um and I'll say this, it, it, you know, I, I know, again, joking aside, people say, oh, this kind of book that you read and stuff, and it's not like something that's for everybody. Um, this is a masterful work, but I don't consider it like a, a book that I think it wasn't was it all, all that of an enjoyable read. Like, I, I was absolutely impressed and taken by the craft of this book. Um and and it is mainly because of the visceral nature of the storytelling. Um, and I'll hopefully Vince can lend lend a hand here because he teaches this stuff. Because but but basically each page is completely different. It ranges from very intentionally childlike scrawl, including she does her own lettering. It looks like a four year old drew it intentionally um, to completely photorealistic, photographic rather, uh, collages that evoke like the female body, but done with like pieces of ham and vegetables. And um, and then there's these these shockingly bright uh, painted pages. It's truly a mixed medium. And and it, it is all over the place in terms of its structure, its style. Um, and, and that's what blew me away because it really did feel like you were getting the deepest, darkest glimpses well not always dark just the deepest most intimate glimpses of what was going on in shira's mind almost like a diary of key moments in her life and each page was a challenge because not only did the visual style not fit any comfortable bill and it changed so much from page to page but but because of the hand illustrated text I mean, she would. She, she. It wasn't linear. I mean, there, there are like there are words. There are words crossed out, and other words written over top of it. Like she was changing her mind as she was doing it, and it's all very raw and there for you to see. And if you're hearing me talk about this and thinking, well, "Where's the narrative?" That's kind of the point. There really isn't a narrative I can point to um, in a way that that other than it's it's just glimpses into her life over this ten year period, and and and. Essentially, the, the key the key hallmarks are highs and lows. Like her her father, who she loved very much, dies of, of brain cancer, and her she's in a long term committed relationship with another woman, and um, they have a child who who her her partner Chris gives carries the child and gives birth to the child, and then with their subsequent attempt at having a second child, um, Shira is going to carry the child, and she just 
struggles and, and they lose a few of the kids and uh, they lose a few of the pregnancies and she's unable to eventually she's she's unable to have a child and 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 certainly you can you don't have to be a woman to understand that if you if you're a parent or ever attempted you know that that's a very very difficult thing especially if it's a, if you can't if you're unable to have kids and you want kids so she goes through those but there are highs as well i mean um th- this this story takes place during a period of time when which is an awesome you know we, we focus a lot on how how fucked up a lot of stuff about our society is but there have been good things not the least of which is is the recognition of of same-sex marriages and they get married in the book they're the daughter they do have um grows up and they have a great relationship with her and i say her it's actually unfair of me to do that because they're she was born a they're they're she was born a i don't know how, not, I don't know how to say this um they're their child is once is is uh, is non-binary. There you go. That's the right way to say it. Um, born a born with female genitalia, but but as she becomes a, as they become a teenager, wants to be not is known as non-binary. So um, hard for me to doesn't come off the tongue, but you, I hope you get my point. Um, so like it, this was like an experience. If I, if I, and I I I read it in one sitting, and I thought, wow, what an incredible endeavor for this woman to put so much personal trauma and, and exuberance into a book in a way where every page is visually arresting and interesting and you find yourself floating over them. This is not a book you, you read two pages, flip, read two pages, flip and move on. I mean, you're, you're, you have to take some time with this to really appreciate it. So I very much appreciated it, but I I have to stop short from saying I, I enjoyed it in the sense that, there's not really a story here in as much as every person has their own story and it's important to them. Um, but I have to give her incredible credit for the craft of it. And I will say, as I was reading, I was thinking, what am I going to compare this to in the fanographic solicit? The final line of that solicit is it's the most formally revolutionary visual storytelling since Emil Ferris's my favorite thing is monsters. And, and I, I have to say, that was a mistake, in my opinion, for the marketing department, because when I was trying to decompress after reading this book, I thought, well, I get the comparison. Emil Ferris was in her 50s when her first graphic novel, My Favorite Thing is Monsters, came out. Um, but the difference here is that, in my opinion, My Favorite Thing is Monsters is an absolute masterpiece. The stunning thing about that was that for this person's first graphic novel it was pretty much perfection it was one visual style done incredibly well but interesting and different than what you normally see but there was an awesome narrative throughout it that so there was a surface level you could read that as a surface level book and you could go deeper and it was so layered and intricate and well executed that i think she hit like every note if you were doing a checklist of what one would want in a great graphic novel i think she did that Everything. Emil Ferris checked off everything. I don't think I can say the same of Shira. Like, I think, get a little techie with you guys. Dad might appreciate this. You know, there are software packages, like when your companies, like there are, there are toolkits and then there are applications. You might need a toolkit where, like, you're going to do a lot of custom work. So the tool, you want the best toolkit, but you want to make it your own. And then there are out-of-the-box applications where you might have to kind of change your business processes a bit, but the application so robust you're willing to do that. Emil Ferris is my favorite thing as Monsters is like a complete finished glossy application. Like it's far out of beta. Whereas this is like a toolkit. Like you could see all the pieces. 
you got to give Shira Spectre incredible props for what she gave us, but I don't. I think they're doing her a disservice trying to compare it to my favorite thing is monsters. Like one is a masterpiece. This one, the, the the other is a really interesting debut such that I can't wait to see what she comes up with next. And hope it is a bit more of a narrative. If that makes sense. Okay. Uh, Vince, I don't know if you can speak to the art at all. I mean, I, like it's, 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 I thought you would really enjoy it because it is so, uh, it felt very like raw to me, you know, like it felt very like she, she she put on the page what she was feeling in the moment without a lot of like pretense, which I thought you would appreciate. Yeah, no, I I like um, and respect the skill behind those pages you sent me. I think they're intriguing, especially the the uh, collage page looks really mm-hmm. great. Um, th- this sounds like uh, cacophony to me, and it sounds like like it's just that that atonal let's just i mean i love that type of music uh a sound when when you just get a bunch of great performers in there and and they improvise and they're just playing off each other and they're it's not so much a structured statement it's an experience the 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 breath of which i get where this you're coming from with this book and that that's what's attracting me to it but i don't know i mean i from what i can tell the art's very strong I'm hoping that the art would compel me to read or to experience all these things that I may not care about. A hundred percent. That's why I even said I was chuckling when I thought, oh, I'm going to talk about this book on, on the air and they're going to like, because it, it, yeah, I mean, this is, as she, as she describes herself, it's far afield from the world we reside in, right? Like, right. We're, like, like we're the things that, uh, so, so yes, this is not, this is not a book that a lot of people I think will identify with. But I would urge people, I don't want people to come away thinking, I don't, I'm not recommending it. Like, I would urge you, I, I do think it is, if, 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 if a big part of why you read comics is to be challenged from a visual storytelling perspective, I think this book is absolutely gets high marks for that. And it's worth checking out, regardless of whether you feel like you can identify with a woman who's dealing with an ectopic pregnancy or a, a, a father dying of brain cancer. Like, that. that is somewhat, to me... And you know what? If she hears this, she may find this insulting. I don't mean this. It's somewhat tertiary to my experience with the book, you know. And I say I say that knowing that when someone puts their personal life onto a page, I think the the, the what happens to them is probably far from tertiary to them. Right. So I'm not saying I don't recognize for her that was probably the important part of it, almost cathartic, I, I think. But but just for me as a as a person experiencing it, not knowing her. I still think the book is worthy regardless of whether you feel like you can identify with her personal journey. Right, right. Yeah. So Red Rock Baby Candy is the the name of the book. Nice, nice. I don't mind doing the work. I like piecing things together. Um, You know, uh, linear is not important to me. Uh, No, for sure not. And and if you – yeah, I mean that's – yeah, Jonathan Wilbur, we we shouted him out last week. He had recommended four books to to the three of us. Um, this was the fourth, and I had mentioned that I I ordered the other three after he recommended them. This one I had didn't order because I'd already pre ordered it from Fanta. Um, so, but uh, yeah, but but anyway, I I will probably dive into this just because of the uh, the uh, all over the map nature of the art and. That's- uh, 
Yeah, and when you show me the collage, the, I'm a sucker for really well done collage, and that image you showed me was extremely well done. So mm-hmm. eh, I, I, I got to check it out. I'm compelled to check this thing out. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, well, cool. All right, and cool to you because we're backing up the bus. Remember, if you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered right to your door. There's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Remember, you'll be hearing these over the course of the entire month. Uh, write them down. Don't be that guy who is woe is me. They sold out. I didn't get them. Pre-order their damn things from Vault Barbaric Number One. It will cost you a dollar ninety-nine. From Scout, the Chaos Agent Number One of Four will cost you two dollars and seventy-four cents. It's a four ninety-nine issue. And from Image Vinyl Number One of Six. By Wagner and Hilliard. This thing is three ninety nine, but you are only going to pay a dollar ninety nine. DCBService.com. Well, I've had a, a trilogy on my shelf for a while, and I haven't read them. So uh, I think it's one of my all time favorite creators. Uh, detailing the uh, journey of his signature creation. (laughs) So um, when Jim Starlin wants to do an OGN, uh, a trilogy of OGNs on Thanos, I'm going to buy them. I'm going to read them. But maybe not in the years in which they were published. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, this thing is called The Infinity Revelation. It is the first of a trilogy. The next book is... um, I don't know uh, the name of the second book, but I have it. Uh, the if, It's over there. But anyway, and I know it, it ends in the Infinity Finale. But this book is weird. It's very strange. It's not what I expected at all. <laughs> um, it, it's cool, but it, it, it goes places that... Well, it's Jim Starlin, right? So it's metaphysical. It's more of a, a mindscape of Thanos... Uh, he he visits um, Lady Death, and she actually pays attention to him. But his purpose um, for going into the Lady Death's realm was to uh, peer into the Infinity Well. He he just gets the feeling that something's not right, something's up with with the universe, and it's it's, it's nagging at him. He's not feeling himself. He's he's out of sorts. He's like, I got to get this this checked. So when when he's looking into the Infinity Well. It's really funny. There's this spectral entity that's following Starlin around, or um, Thanos around. And Thanos is like, oh, it's you. Yeah, okay. Well, you don't stay dead for long. Go go away. So, And this, this thing keeps following him. And after Starlin, uh, god damn it, after Thanos, see, they're inseparable mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. After Thanos does his business, the thing follows him into you know the the top level reality and it turns out to be adam warlock back from the dead right so the the little trinket that that this this infinity well sends thanos to get is very important uh so much so that uh the annihilators show up at one point uh and you know who the annihilators are right at least in this book they're um, Gladiator, 
right, who uh, Thanos thinks is the biggest threat, far, far and away the biggest threat of all the Annihilators. So he kind of sends Gladiator on this, this he, he teleports him away. And then there's Beta Ray Bill, <laughs> Ron, Ronan the Accuser, um, and uh, Quasar, of all people, right? So Thanos kicks so the sh- Wendell Vaughn Quasar. Uh, no, the Wendell Vaughn Quasar, oh. and um, and Thanos kicks the shit out of all of them, like no problem at all. He breaks Ronan's hammer. He beats the tar out of Beta Ray Bill. And uh, he's about to knock the shit out of Quasar when uh, Adam Warlock just basically turns Quasar off to save him the trouble of, of Thanos beating the shit out of him. But then Silver Surfer comes. And, of course, uh, Thanos is like, oh, now we got it. Righteous indignation. There's the man I was waiting for because I want to fight. I want to struggle. And Warlock goes, beep, and, and turns off the Silver Surfer. Like, this is an incredibly powerful Warlock. Um, but anyway, the, the, the crux of it is, during the, the, the journey to do something with this trinket, a parallel reality version of Thanos and Warlock show up. And they talk, right? They, they converse. They're having their little, they share information. And... Thanos activates this thing and the universe goes away. It just goes away and it comes back in the form of Thanos. Thanos is the universe. But on the polar, on the opposite side, Warlock activated the trinket and that universe becomes Adam Warlock. And they're like, well, we cannot have this. There's two separate universes banging against each other. What the hell's happening? And, and you know, the shit hits the fan, and, and, and in the end, it, everything's reduced to one war, one universe, which is good. But the Warlock that comes over to Thanos' universe is not the Warlock from the Marvel 616 universe. Oh, dun, dun, dun. And he is wicked powerful. Um, it's, like I said, uh, Eternity, um, the Living Tribunal is in here, Infinity, and they all have, they all have reasons for, for um, well, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it, it's, it doesn't end, right? Because it, it, it continues into the Infinity Relativity which ends in the infinity finale. And so uh, I I I don't understand completely what Starlin is trying to say with Thanos in this book. Um maybe it will uh, the the next two books will reveal. Uh but it, from my perspective uh this couldn't have been written by a young Jim Starlin. This book could own, yeah. This 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 is a book that is is um, the product of, uh, of of a life filled with experience, right? Because it's not. I mean, yes, there's Thanos beating the crap out of the Annihilators, but for the most part, 
it's a very introspective work into the mind of both Warlock and Thanos. I mean, and it goes all the way back to Strange Tales. There's characters in here that were running through the pages of his his stuff, that, that, that early, early Adam Warlock stuff. They're all in here. Pip the Troll, briefly. Uh, you know, Gamora's in here very, very briefly. The Guardians make a brief appearance. They, they show up proper in, in the second volume of this. So he's playing in the sandbox. And I guess Annihilus is, is a, a big factor in, in the, the Relativity book. I don't know. It's nuts. But the, the fact that I, I had these on the shelf and haven't read them is, was kind of like nagging at me. Because, yeah. you know, I love Jim Starlin. Love, love. I mean, if, if I had to pick, you know, this man lives, this man dies, Starlin would last far, far longer among the stable of Marvel artists with me than most, right? I just love everything the guy does. He's not perfect, but yeah, I love him. And so I say, I got I to gotta read these things. Um, and it's a great book, but I, I, it's one of those books where you're not going to get um, immediate recognition as to, you know, it, it's one of those subconscious germinating idea books where you know you play with what you play with the events of what happened in your mind and you try and piece together like what the hell is jim starlin saying here what is going on that's uh, uh there's a recognition between death and thanos at the end that's just nuts like she's actually paying attention to him and 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 sucking face with what what what, what? everything i know is wrong right <laughs> you know it's, yeah. it's it's just weird it's weird but i, I really enjoyed it and there's um, there's a, a couple of Hickman characters running around in here too, because yeah, it was I think it was 2017 that this thing was written or published 2017 maybe 2016. So it's it's post Infinity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2014. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So maybe not. But anyway, uh, it's a very very worthy read. Um, it's, it's, it's a head scratcher, but we've, we've, uh, learned to turn to Starlin to, uh, uh contemplate life's mysteries as related to Thanos. <laughs> so get it. Um, Thanos, uh, the infinity revelation, one of, uh, the first volume of a trilogy. It's really good. That's fantastic. Yeah. I like it. It's good stuff. There was, uh, there was a period when I was very, very fearful of um, Starlin's output. Like it was like he kind of forgot everything that made him great when he was doing that weird, the Reluctant Warrior, whatever those books are. Like the the black and white books he was working on with the with the uh, you know overabundance of computer color and computer. Yes. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, it was like Jim, what are you doing? You don't need this stuff. Yeah. And then he he regained his footing. I was like, oh, thank thank goodness. But but I'd still buy his stuff regardless. Anyway, I always enjoy um when uh, we fire up um, Endgame and Starlin's sitting there in a support group with everybody else. Well, uh, that's the thing. I wanted. I I didn't want to go there, but I'm gonna. I don't think the 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 Thanos that's in the Marvel movies is the same Thanos that Jim. Jim Starlin wrote. It, it looks like him, and it speaks a lot like him. But I, when I when I see that character on the screen, I it, there's no instant 
Thanos recognition with me. I don't know what it is. It just feels way too different. I think we're also used to his whole dalliance with death, and that's that wasn't a... Obviously, his driving factor in, in the MCU is that, you know, in order to survive, half of everything must go, and, and that's that's his focus that's and and whereas you know you read infinity gauntlet you read all you read all the other books um it's not even so much sometimes that thanos is so prevalent in in jim's work it's like it's always focused around death i mean whether it's death of captain marvel and and of course that's all personal because of what his father went through and um but but thanos has always had this affair with death and that it, as much as I adore the MCU, that is, there's a part of me that realizes that that's missing from Thanos' character in those movies. I think they they amended it successfully to appeal to a wide audience. I, I think sure. what they did for the movies was good enough yes, for I the agree. movies. But even physically, I look at I look at the the character of Thanos on the screen, and it doesn't. It doesn't click. It doesn't look like Jim Starlin's Thanos. It's just he's he's a, a short, stocky, uh, you know, dwarfish yeah. demi demigod. That's not what I see on the screen. Yeah, it's yeah with the whatever. protruding brow. Yeah, it's old, just or, I, I, like a purple Mongol. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, not quite. Sort of almost a. Um, Blade Runner Orama. Uh, I, I caught up on Blade Runner 2029, but what I really enjoyed was the first issue of Blade Runner Origins, um, because Titan is why oh, stop when a good thing's going. But this is uh, Origins. So the Blade Runner, the main book, is written by um, Mike Johnson. Origins is written by Mike Johnson, but he's um, he's third in line. It's written by Kay Perkins. Mellow Brown and Mike Johnson art by Fernando uh, Dagnino. And this takes place in 2007, 10 years before the first Blade Runner series from, from Titan Blade Runner 2027. Um, but basically what this tales, we start off in 2007 with a bit of a flashback. We, because the story itself takes place, it's present is uh 2009 and um so it's basically the story of the first blade runner how 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 that whole unit um came to be and the there's a i don't know if it took me too long to realize it or if it's because it's done so well, I don't even notice it. But there's there's a bit of a formula. It's a little formulaic when it, with, with the Titan Blade Runner books. Because the first series lasted 12 issues, and it was broken up into four-issue arcs. Um, and it looks like that's the way... I mean, we're only three issues into 2029, so I can't say for certain if we're going to continue that trend. But um, it, the issue, the story moves along, and, and then it ends, you know the chapter ends where it where it feels right it doesn't feel like you know the cliffhanger is in between that's where they just decided to end it and we'll because the page count will continue it next it, it it works um it, you know it starts off building up slowly and then a big event happens and then um and then there's the kind of the oh shit moment 
and 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 the issue's done. Uh, and then the next issue kind of picks up in some cases where it right where it left off. In other cases, shortly after that, and then um, as clues go into place and all the characters start to meet up and get involved with one another, um, the bigger picture is is shown. But the um, the art is different in Origins. And and not in, in in a bad way. The the, the uh, it's a bit more painterly. The um, the main book has has more of a European, almost heavy metal kind of feel. But the uh, the characters were introduced to in the Los Angeles Police Department. Um, the, the Detective Moreau is uh, it's, it's, his sister is in the hospital. She's basically in a coma. Uh, so. She's on his mind. Uh, his um, his captain calls him in and uh, asks him if he knows about the Tyrell Corporation. And and Moro's like, you know, they make machines and they think they're helping us. Um, and he's like, you know, well, there's basically a, in air quotes a suicide that happened at um, at the Tyrell Corp. And so they. Moro's the one who gets volunteered to go handle the case, um, but he 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 knows it's it's not a setup, but he it, it's a shit job. He's like, you know, they need a cleaner, and the department needs someone who's the right kind of expendable. And the captain's basically saying, no, no, no it's, it's just because we need the right person to handle the right kind of mess. Um, but you're going to be the first non Tyrell employee to actually um, see the inside of the building. No, no, only employees have ever been inside this building. Um, but there's a death, death opens doors. Um, doesn't necessarily, doesn't really look like it was a suicide. Uh, there's a character, uh, Alora Stahl, who appears, who very much, I believe, to be a replicant. Um she just kind of gives off that vibe. Parts of it kind of reminds me of Blade Runner 2049, the way characters are introduced and things like that. But um, the, uh, the the story is is different in tone. Um, it it very much... Uh, the, 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 the guy kind of... He almost reminds me of a Black Deckard. Uh, but he's... You know, we're not so deep in the... Blade Runner unit that uh, I mean it, this is all still new so it's you're like I said you're in on the ground floor but um, the uh, the setup is intriguing to me it, it, it's I'm like we, we we know I'm a mark for the franchise so it's it's not going to take much for me to check something out and and for it to hook me and and for me to continue but um, there are the traditional or the familiar aspects with the Blade Runner franchise where, you know, the next it's Nexus fives and in this series, Nexus eights in the 2027 book. But, um, you know, there's the replicant has escaped and now Moreau's on the tail on, 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 on the trail for that. And it's, it, it's a very good first issue to set it up. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, um, how things play out. And um, and if we'll get future bridges between the early days to um, 
to what we may have seen in the Ridley Scott film, or if if Titan's going to continue to kind of be in its own little Blade Runner universe and not really uh, borrow from from the two movies. Um, but uh, it, it it feels familiar. It looks familiar. It, it, the art is slightly different, but it's still within that um, within that universe. It, it it you can't mistake it. But uh, yeah, in, in your travels, um, if uh, if you have been reading Blade Runner twenty twenty seven and now Blade Runner twenty twenty nine, or you're waiting for a hardcover that may arrive, I do believe there the the three trades have been offered or will be off will or will be offered in a slipcase. Um but uh what's nice about Blade Runner Origins is that you can just read this on its own. It doesn't there's nothing about it's not like Ash from the main series is telling this story. It's not connected in any way. I know the free comic book day is I don't know if it's a flip, but they're they're gonna tell they're gonna do something with both series, but um aside from the title there's nothing connecting the two books at this time so you can read blade runner origins on its own so in your travels blade runner origins number one from titan comics i wonder if you're a replicant <laughs> i'm gonna zoom in on your eyes when you sleep in my house next time check, yeah, check, check my serial number for real uh in your travels this one is uh, definitely not for for Dap's ears. <laughs> um, I alluded a few uh, months ago that uh, someone there was a, a Daredevil issue that's getting a ton of buzz uh, because of a big status quo change. So I read that issue. Uh, had not had not read been reading the series. Thought the issue was pretty interesting. Had made the commitment to go back and see what's what, and uh, I did that. I read the first ten issues of the current uh, volume of Daredevil, which uh, started in early 2019, um, written by uh, Dapp's favorite, Chip Zdarsky, oh, uh, with art uh, by, uh, by by Chiquetto, at least in the beginning of the 10-issue run. Now, now, Chiquetto has done the vast majority of the series, um, with uh, Jorge Fornes, stepping in occasionally, but, but Chiquetta is the main artist so far through 28 issues. Um, but this was the first 10 and, uh, the first two arcs and the second arc was drawn by a newcomer, at least to me named Lalit Kumar. Um, I think that, um, I'm going to, I don't know if Lalit is a man or a woman to be honest with you, but, I'm going to suggest that Kumar was done no favors having to follow Chiquetto. Um, so I give the Chiquetto artwork an A++. Damn right. I, I give the Lalit Kumar artwork like a B-. Um, it looked to me like 90s Bagley, which was cool in the 90s, but, <laughs> you know. But the point is, though, is that is that but the story, the, the story by Chip... Um, I thought was excellent, and and to be clear, uh, although we didn't talk about it, um, this is one of those books where when people talk about their favorite Marvel books the last few years, Daredevil is, is is on the short list. People would often throw out. It's definitely a book that many many people whose opinions we do respect have said, "Hey, you know, we y'all kind of slept on Immortal Hulk after that first issue. You should you should go back to it." And they were right. Many of those same people said, "Hey, uh, 
Chip's doing some pretty cool stuff at Daredevil. You should give it a try. And uh, well, I, I I went back and checked it out, and, and they're absolutely right. I, I this is unlike anything else I've read of Chips, and, and mainly because um, I, I think one of the things that generally people like about Chip, and, and I think that does not, and, and I it's hit or miss for me to this point, is his humor. Um, and and I've said this a thousand times on the show humor is so subjective you know it's 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 the hardest thing to do because i think it's the smallest pool of people share the same sense of humor with one another um so it's you're gonna have a much larger pool of people that just don't find you funny um but this is not a funny book it's it's not nor does he attempt to 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 insert humor into the book it's it is a drama and it is i was really impressed with with this the story he said um Anytime you're talking about a character that's been around for decades and has had an ongoing series for decades, it's hard to break new ground. So I'm not going to tell you that the things I read were completely new, never been done before, but the way that Chip executed them I thought was masterful. It's a fairly simple premise. Um, this this the series starts with, um, with Matt a few weeks, months after recovering from a near-fatal accident. And he's pretty fucked up still. Uh, he's he's on himself. He's nowhere near a hundred percent. And he uh, Wilson Fisk is the mayor of New York, and that's 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 throughout the Marvel. He's 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 been the um, you know he's he's been the ne'er do well mayor now for some time in Spidey and in all the New York street level books. But um, but he's the he's the mayor, and uh, as a result, it's a great time for organized crime in New York. And Murdoch is frustrated because he's not himself. He he really shouldn't be out there being a vigilante, but uh, but he can't help himself, right? Because he's Matt Murdoch, and um, like he goes to to stop basically a, a fairly simple robbery, uh, three just regular people, non non powered people, and it doesn't go well. He almost gets his he almost gets killed. It, he gets he just he's he's slow on the draw, and and they they. They land a punch or two, and next thing you know, he's on the ground covering up, and they're they're beating the shit out of him. Um, and one of the one of the the three people, um, one of the three robbers, uh, dies in the hospital. And you know the news breaks, and it's like, oh, vigilante daredevil killed someone, and Wilson Fisk hears the news, and he's got a big smile on his face, and he's like, all right, we need to APB on on Wilson on on daredevil, and uh, and, and at the same point in time, um, they have brought introduced a new character. He's a, a, a new detective uh, transferred from Chicago, basically assigned to help capture vigilantes. He's a, a big, big black dude, like hulking, you know, like. Uh, but I don't think he's super powerful. He's a normal dude, but uh, but but tough as nails, not corrupt in any way. And he he's introduced by Zdarsky as well, and, and his. His whole premise is trying to track down vigilantes. So after this happens, his number one target then becomes Daredevil, and then uh, he's good. He's a, he's a smart cop. He's resourceful. So he's he's making headway. And the premise of the book is pretty cool because it's like Murdoch is like, well, I'm I'm being framed. Like you know me, I'm I'm like a surgeon when it comes to these things. I, I didn't kill the guy. He was fine. And you know he's like, I, Wilson Fisk is setting me up, or or the owl is setting me up, and and he and his he and his hero friends basically try and come get to the bottom of this and it's like at every turn uh no they're not like the like he you know he, he finds an owl henchman and 
and uh, Al Henchman, like, he can hear his heartbeat. The guy's not lying. He's like, I, I, we had nothing to do with this. And Wilson Fisk, same thing. It's like he, he he's eavesdropping on Wilson Fisk. And it's like clear that Wilson Fisk is thrilled that this has happened, but it, he had nothing to do with it. He's like, well, this is for once, for once Murdoch did himself in. And, like, he starts realizing that because he's fucked up and he shouldn't be out there, like, he actually killed the guy. Like, he fucked up. Like, he, he wasn't himself. And so he actually, in fighting the guy, killed the guy. And it crushes him, you know, it crushes him because it's just that's it, it, it just violates everything that he views of himself. It's you know, he has this line where he's he's willing to effectively beat the shit out of all these people and put them in, 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 in the hospital, but he's never killed anybody. And what's awesome is after he comes to that realization, he gets he gets uh, and, and the whole the whole police precinct is looking for him. Um, he has run-ins with Punisher, he has run-ins with Spidey, run-ins with Luke and Jessica, and each one reacts to him in such a different way, and it just, it frustrates the shit out of him, like, um, you know, because the Punisher's like, that's my boy, you finally came around, <laughs> and he's like, dude, I'm not a fucking, you're a fucking psycho killer, like, I didn't kill anybody, and Punisher's like, dude, you're such a soul shit, like, you, you, you know, you've spent you know, your whole life beating the shit out of people. He's like, it's okay to break their arms and legs and cripple them, but because you won't end their misery, he's like, you're fucking selfish. Because if you killed them, they wouldn't be out there doing that shit again another week. He's like, that's the difference between me and you is, is I actually help people because I don't have some ridiculous line that I try and draw for my own selfish reasons. And, you know, obviously Murdoch's like not trying to hear that shit, but like, it makes you think, you know? And then he, he gets with, with Luke and Jessica and he's thinking that they're there to bring him in for being a killer. And Luke's like, dude, I mean, you can't be in this business without people dying. Like, that's, you know, that that's the nature of the beast. Like, that, like we've all had to deal with that. And then Murdoch's like, what? You're fucking murderers. Like, like fuck you, you know? Like, how could you? And, and you know, it's just, like, interesting because he thinks they're just, like, they're holier than thou. And they're like, dude, you killed someone. You got to go to jail. And he's, they're like, nah, man. Like, that that happens. If it did happen, it was an accident. We know we know you. We know that it wasn't intentional. And, um you know, and then and then Spidey it takes it a little bit slightly different tack. Spidey's like, dude, I've 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 lost people. Like I've I've had people die because of me. I've had I've, I've caused people to die. It's it's hard, you know. But but uh, but he's like, but the thing I can tell you is you're not yourself, and you're done being Daredevil. Like you like I've seen it. You know, we not, he's like, there's a shelf life for 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 what we do, and uh, and for some it's short, for some it's long. But I think you're done, man. Like at least you, I don't think you can be Daredevil anymore. And so Murdoch kind of comes to that conclusion. Um, and, and it just was, I thought it was so well done with all of his interactions with all these people. And then he has a, a whole narrative where he's, where he's up against this, this detective North and North, because he's not corrupt, is like fighting both sides. Cause he's, he's trying to capture daredevil, but at the same point in time, Fisk's cronies are up in there and they don't like how good he is at sussing out criminals and stuff. So he's got to deal with that. And, uh, you know, good cop in a bad force type of thing. So all these little intricacies and, and narratives that I think he's weaved really, really well. And I'm really happy to see that Chiquetto comes back and does most of the run because, like I said, the first five issues were like perfect comics to me because I think the story was great and the art was great. But then I think that the the, the Kumar art wasn't so hot. And I was like, oh, man, what a bummer. Kind of like it's a drag. But but like I said, Chiquetto's back. And I think Fornace, who I, I know from Batman, is is quite a good fill in and much more stylistically aligned with Chiquetto. So, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board, man. I got to say, kudos to everyone that insisted that 
I roll back and give it a try, and I think they were right on this one. And I think maybe Zadarsky, the 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 cure to the Zadarsky kryptonite is 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 not being funny, just just <laughs> doing drama, you know. So, I mean, I know it's it's a long shot getting you to try this, but I just have to say I was really pleasantly surprised. I mean, so. it, it's it's not. It... It, it's Daredevil, who I adore, and it's uh, fucking Marco Cicchetto is is goddamn beast, and I love everything he does. Um, yeah, yeah, I love I mean, the way Cicchetto draws him too. He draws him really skinny, but yeah. not like not like like you know like 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 not like skinny, but athletic, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it, it's it looks great, and and I read the first couple of issues. It just oh you it, did I, oh. yeah I, I wasn't I, I I gave it a shot, and it's. Yeah. You know, so, what is it about this that bothers you then? Like, like because this isn't funny. Like, he's not trying to be funny. I don't. I don't know if it's just if it's if it's because obviously he can handle characters that I've enjoyed because because that Marvel two and one was entertaining. Um, maybe I'll 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 probably get back to it. I'll 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 once. I mean, there have been obviously it's 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 been going on for a bunch of months now so there's enough for me to go back to and try to binge if i want to um if i want to see if it'll stick um i I, there's already plenty i have to read but i i'm open to uh to trying it again yeah where do you sit with daredevil vince i always forget like you fan not really fan uh yeah, I bought Daredevil for far too long. Like, the, no, I know, but yeah, he's, he's the, not, yeah. there was. I mean, I should have seen the writing on the wall where uh, you get a great writer can do magic with Daredevil, like Frank. But for the most part, it was like waiting until the next great writer came on the book. And I, I, I don't dislike the character. I just, I, I don't. Uh, I'll read it. I'll read the Daredevil story if Frank writes it, of course. <laughs> okay, well. but um, you know, it's not gonna. It, it's not gonna be like, oh man, Hickman's on Daredevil. You got to read it. Right. I don't like the character enough to to. That makes sense. Yeah, I have to say, like, I think probably for a lot of these characters, I think for me, I'm sure one of the reasons I was so enamored with this is that it's been a long time since I read Daredevil regularly. Yeah, I mean, many years. So so. So even though the, I know the character, it's 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 fresher than it would normally be if I was just reading it all the time, you know, versus like where I read all the Wolverine comics and it's just so hard for it to impress me because it's like another comic, you know what I mean? But right. but I so I don't know if I was reading Daredevil nonstop like a like a Daredevil Mark, if I would have found this as awesome as I found it. So I probably it probably benefits from me not having spent the last few years just inundated with average Daredevil stories. Sad by that. And there have been a lot of average Daredevil stories. Oh, well, yes. There's been, but there, were, there have been a lot of average superhero stories, right? Like sure. These characters that you you have to tell 12 to 20 individual stories every year of, or sometimes more if they're, you know, you're, you're just going to get some, <laughs> they all can't be masterpieces. Unless it's our show in which every episode is. And we thank you <laughs> for listening to this one. If you would like to experience more of the kind of stuff we do here, you go to the Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. There's a pretty large and, and uh, loud presence there. 
check out our Patreon page, if you will. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one one, no apostrophe. Good, good stuff going on there. Lots of uh, interaction on our, our very own Slack uh, applet. In the meantime, say goodnight. I don't remember where I left it. I'm trying to think of where I left it, and it's not here. Hmm. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. David, Ooh. I was trying trying to think of the um, the chronometer that <laughs> that you use to measure. <sighs> Good night. Chronometer. 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 Yes, Kronos. That seltzer's good, huh? No, it's it's flat. <laughs> now it's just hot dog flavored water. Oh, <laughs> David. Nice. Oh, you're doing your little thing where you eat like one hot dog a day? Is that what you're doing? No, uh, shrimp. Oh, you're eating shrimps? Yeah, there's no calories in that stuff. There are no calories in shrimp. No, this is not even shrimp. This is cod. Oh, are you eating the fake the fake Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that stuff is high protein, no calorie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing. So uh it's working. Nice. I see I say you gotta line me up with a, about 10, 12 packets of shrimp a week. <laughs> and she's That's like, bad. shrimp. I'm like, you know what I'm talking about. Don't make me explain it again. Damn. You're gonna look so good in Seattle Oh, I know, right? We love you, people. Thank you for being here. Say goodnight, boys. Good night, boys and gals. That's it for that one.